We're on. All right. It is Wednesday, May 5. Cinco de Stevo. Cinco Happy birthday, Steve. My, it is my birthday, oh, as it turns out. Day. May 5th. You know, May 5th didn't mean anything until, uh, like, well into my 20s. And all of a sudden, Cinco de Mayo comes along as a big holiday to sell beer. But uh, <laughs> anyway. It's it, it, Cinco de Mucco. Cinco my father-in-law, it's also the Muck's birthday today. That's right. I forgot that. Good for the... Uh, yeah, see, he's got a great birthday. Yep. Cinco de Mucco. I just keep forgetting how uh, Hispanic you are, Steve. Yeah, I am. <laughs> they used to call me Speedy Gonzalez. Anyway, they uh, for all sorts of bad reasons. They uh, anyway, it's uh, another Blitz Wednesday. That means any minute now we're going to be interfacing with the Blitz. We're going to be taking the phone in legal questions with the Blitz, but we're doing it as always or as since the pandemic right here in the bunker at five eleven. That is channel five eleven dot com, and uh, we will interface with them momentarily. After that, expect all the awesome commentary that you've grown accustomed to, except live now for the third week in a row we are doing it live not only audio but video right there on youtube live you just go to channel 511 on youtube and then what you can do is subscribe that way you'll always know when we're live and you'll always know when the good awesome content drops so uh and and then of course we have a guest so norm is back jared Jared brought him down Um, dragged him out of the woodwork (laughs) team blitz team blitz it's a blitz wednesday how about those bengals (laughs) (laughs) remember my big boast the last time i was here how the bengals were going to take down the browns and man i could not have been more wrong never say that on tape (laughs) i mean so those are like norm's a lawyer a lobbyist judge's son races rare ford german cars Hmm. sells rare Ford car parts. I don't think you identify as a lawyer so much anymore. So No, I have to I have to yeah, I have to disabuse you of that. So uh no. <laughs> <laughs> never 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 have been a lawyer. I, I have a law degree, but uh God no, I would not uh I would not foist that on the on the planet. And me as a lawyer, that would not be a good thing. So I never never sat for the bar, didn't want to be a lawyer. Went to law school to get the education to be a journalist. Wanted to cover the Supreme Court, and then I found out that uh, in the '80s journalism uh, didn't pay. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's a good so, move. Yeah, yeah, but, so, yeah, but uh, rare German well, auto parts. That's right, right, right. right. <laughs> Welcome so, uh, to journalism in the 2020s, right here. <laughs> yeah, this is journalism, and I can I can attest at how little it pays. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So I, in fact, it costs. I, I do a little hobby farming out in Johnstown at on the Raccoon Creek Farm, uh, where man and beast live alike, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, you know where the men are men and the sheep are scared. That's right. That's right, man. But you got a couple new race cars. Yeah. So uh, I, uh, in addition to the old Capris, which I race in historic racing, um, uh, I've. Uh, Stepped into the Mustang world. Oh yeah, yeah. So mm. I'm I'm racing uh, this year in SCCA T1 class with uh, a Boss Mustang 302, um, and uh, it's an X Roush uh, <laughs> Fenway car. Wow, Mo- Mooresville, North Ooh. Carolina. So it's, what year? It, it's a 2013, and uh, Jack Roush Jr. used to race this car. So uh, it's a hand-me-down. Uh, I'm racing it in what they call club racing or amateur racing, but uh, these guys, the guys I'm racing against, pull up in uh, semi tractors with uh, four or five cars on board and have oh, man. Ten, ten or twelve crew. So 
Yeah, I'm racing against, really, uh, these are professional teams, and, um, uh, you know, we're, we're racing for little plastic trophies. Yeah. Yeah, there's no prize money. It It's all for uh, the honor and glory. Fun, yeah. So yeah. our, our uh, national championship is at uh, the Indy 500 track. Oh. Uh, not on the oval, but on the Formula One infield yeah. course. Yeah, oh, yeah. So we're going to race there in uh, end of uh, September, uh, first week of October. It's about a eight-day uh, event they call the runoffs. There'll be uh, 26 other classes. Um, and uh, people from all over the country tow in. And uh, this year, last year it was at Road America up in Wisconsin. This year it's at the Indy 500 facility. Nice. Wow. So yeah. so it's a big deal. And you what, just got back from a couple races. Yeah. How so did you do? I've been racing down south, and I'm second in points uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Um, I think there's three more races. What, what's your conference? What, what is it called? Well, uh, where I raced down in Florida and Georgia, Southeastern Conference. But uh, here it's the Northern Conference, so Ohio, Michigan, Indiana. Um, What's the uh, class? Can you give me the specific? Uh, it's called Touring One or T1. And so the, the kind of cars that I race against are uh, Lambos, Ferraris, Porsches, <clears throat> Vipers, Corvettes, other Mustangs. I mean, it's it's BMW M4s. It, it's it's some serious stuff. So uh, awesome. Yeah. So you know, we're seeing speeds of over 150 miles an hour, and uh, cars are prepared to different rules levels. Some are limited amount of uh, modifications, and others you can go wild. So uh, there, it's a pretty serious, pretty serious uh, uh, category. Um, the the uh, defending national champion races a BMW, and it's rumored that he has about three hundred thousand dollars in his car. Jeez. Wow. And he and he shows up with a crew of ten or twelve guys, and uh, you know, I mean, it's like racing against Roger Penske. And, it, you know, it's like right. from a from an economic standpoint, it sounds a lot like podcasting. You spend a lot of money. Yeah, in, it makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> and you have to race for the plastic. And you have to race yeah. for you have to yeah. race for no prize money. It, it makes zero sense, right. it, it, except that uh, it's it, if it's something that you love to do, and if it's uh, kind of, you know. If it's what you need to do to survive. It's therapy money, right? It's yeah. like, yeah I, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a black hole I'm throwing money in. That's well, like going gonna... in a boat. That's yeah. all it is. Well, we're going to cover that a little more. And generally what you can expect here, Norm, like you, you, it's been a couple years now, a year and a half since you were here, I think. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Right. And maybe even more. Um, what a world, huh? What a crazy world. So yeah. we're going to interface with the Blitz. They're going to check in here with us very soon. We'll get to hear their questions. I'll answer those questions, and we'll do some commentary because, you know, it, he's always got – Norm, you always have insight. I even see you wrote something recently on Facebook that I read. It's like you have – you say you're not a lawyer, You have, and maybe it's a good thing that you never had to practice law because that would have ruined you. But uh, yeah. you've got the – you've got the uh, – the mind of critical thought. You know how to think through problems and articulate them. So I'm a, we're anxious to hear your comments on some of the questions we get, as well as some other. One ninety nine seven zero. If you need free legal advice on Loper and Randy, better call Steve. All right, Steve Palmer. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. How about you guys? Dude, I was just looking on the camera. It looks like uh, you have a great podcast set up over there. Yeah, we got uh, the whole table going. You guys got the main shot there. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I saw Brad. I saw some people that we know. So, uh, hey, you guys, uh, check out Steve's podcast. You can get it via our website, theblitz.com, and uh, we'll give you some more information uh, here at the end of the segment. But, Steve, we have uh, a text right off the bat here. All right. Do you have it there, Thick Rick? I got it right here. Oh, you have it, Randy. Okay, yeah, great. I was waiting to, you know, Perfect. to get in. I have a question for Steve. If you give someone power of attorney just in case you need it, do you still get to be in charge of your things until you actually need someone to take over and help? Yes, you do. Now, there's probably a power of attorney or some document you could draft that would you you would give up that kind of authority. You could ask Britney Spears all about that. But uh, <laughs> generally speaking, if I give you power of attorney over my affairs, I'm just saying you can act like I act when uh, uh, when needed. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not allowed to act on my own behalf either. Uh, and again, a lot of this, you know, you know, there's general powers of attorney and you can you can tailor them specifically if I want somebody just to be able to buy a car or just to be able to close on a house or just to be able to conduct one transaction. I can draft a power of attorney that just does that. If I want it to be more or broader or even as broad as it could be, I could I could do that, too. So uh, it all depends on what you need and what you want and how you draft it. All right. Uh, we have a question here. This one comes from Miguel. Uh, he wants to know, uh, is there any kind of insurance that I need to check into? I'm, I'm thinking about getting a pit bull this weekend, and I want to make sure that my family is protected from any legal action from anything going wrong in the future. Yeah. There, there, yes and yes. You'd want to get insurance and you have to get insurance. I think the law is going to require you to have insurance if you have a dangerous dog, and that is defined as a dangerous dog. Now, I happen not to think that pit bulls are all dangerous, uh, but Somehow the General Assembly of Ohio does, and I believe there's an insurance requirement that you have to meet. Uh, this is something you also would want, irrespective of the legal requirements. You'd want to call your homeowners or your homeowners insurance company, and make sure you have added uh, whatever protection they can provide onto your homeowners coverage. So there's more than just buying. You know, you're not buying a, a cute little golden retriever here. Uh, the law is going to treat it a little bit differently. And then, you know, generally speaking, if, if the dog does end up uh, hurting somebody or causing some harm to somebody, you just want to make sure you're covered, sort of as you, as you say. So you're on the right track. Call your insurance agent. They'll have the product right there at their fingertips, and they'll hook you up for a small fee. I probably shouldn't do this, but I'll indulge anyways. I, I happen to remember when I was considering getting a pit bull. Uh, is the city of Dublin – did they make it illegal, like where you can't own that sort of animal? Uh, you know, I don't know. I could look that up. But my guess is they you are allowed to have a pit bull in Dublin. That's my guess. Um, I might be wrong. Uh, there may be other limitations on breeding or having a kennel or something like that. But, uh, again, I would check your local ordinance. In, in Dublin, we can look it up for you. Uh, they probably have insurance requirements, and they probably have some other uh, limitations on it. But, uh, I'm not aware of Dublin specifically saying no pit bulls. Yeah, my buddy Dan Siegel has a couple of them, and they are absolutely amazing dogs. Like, they're so nice. I've, I've had so many friends that have had them, and I have one friend that has a pit bull, and he does not let anyone around it. He says, uh, the dog is my dog. It's not your dog. You know, and, and he does that because he doesn't want anything negative to happen, and I think it's smart. Yeah, that sounds like a responsible pit bull owner. So uh, Dublin used to have a ban on pit bulls, but they lifted that restriction in 2017. They lifted the restriction uh, that singled out pit bulls as vicious dogs. Oh, that's so awesome. you can own them in Dublin. And this 4th of July playing the uh, Dublin celebration is the actually the artist pit bull. Can no, you it's not. It? You are kidding. Here's a, here's a question for Steve. It just came in. My soon-to-be ex-wife makes three times as much as I do, and we have 50-50 custody over our two kids. 
The judge put a temporary child support order in place, making me responsible for 600 a month. That goes to my wife. Does that sound right to you? It doesn't sound right to me, but what do I know? I'm just a lawyer. I, I, <laughs> right? So what, what does he do about something like that, Steve? I would, say, his lawyer. I would say get a lawyer and talk to your attorney about this. So, so generally there's something in divorce called temporary orders. This means immediately you can go into court and ask the judge to set the rules of play before all the issues are resolved. And by that I mean they would establish uh, the parenting time, custody. Uh, they would establish the financial issues, who takes care of what, who gets to have the house, who gets to have the cars, just until things are worked out formally at the end of the divorce. Now, uh, you know, child support is one of the things that uh, is typically established through temporary orders. This doesn't seem right. So I don't know what information the court had when it established or set that amount for you to pay her, but it certainly uh, doesn't seem fair. So to answer your question, no, it doesn't seem right. Uh, there's a there's a formula and a program, a software program now that people use to establish the proper amount oh, of child wow. support. And it's not really difficult. Uh, if lawyers have it, they should be able to crank it out pretty quickly. So this is a question for your domestic relations lawyer. If you don't have a good domestic relations lawyer, please get one. It makes all the difference. And I'd be happy to refer you 614-224-6142. Okay, I have two questions coming in. Uh, this guy says, I'm an ex-felon. I'm not on paper or parole. I have guns that are not mine, but in my father's name, he passed away about nine years ago. Some guns are older than me. How can I keep them or can I? Well, you can't own or you're not allowed to possess. A, you can own one, believe it or not, but you can't possess a firearm if you have a disability. Depending on your felony, you may have a disability. If uh, uh, It just all depends. I'd have to know more. Uh, so if you if you really need to get solid answers to this, please give us a call, 614-224-6142. As a general rule, certain offenses will disqualify you uh, from possessing firearms. And it doesn't mean you have to give these up. I mean, you can have somebody else uh, sort of be your proxy to possess the firearms. You can have somebody else store them for you. You can create agreements and trusts and things like that that, uh, that keep them in your ownership but not your possession. And this is, look, as a historical matter, this is unique in our Western system of justice. We split up ownership and possession. So I can own a car, but you can possess it, and, uh, that, and there's a difference. So uh, the key to it is don't get caught in possession of the guns, that is, knowing where they are, being able to exert control over them, uh, and or have them and hold them, right? You just uh, you don't want to go down that path. It's bad. There's federal offenses that come into play, and right now, uh, as you might imagine, gun crimes are the thing of the day, and uh, you're, we're going to see more gun prosecutions like this, even for uh, procedural stuff. So be careful and give us a call. I'd be happy to work you through it. All right. Uh, this guy says, can your employer ask if you had have your COVID shots, and can they ask for proof? Uh, can they ask? Yeah, you can always ask whatever question you want. Now you're saying, is it lawful for them to ask? And I would say, yes, they can ask. Uh, and here's where I think this is all going to shake out. I think you're going to come, we're going to see a scenario where employers are permitted to require their employees to be vaccinated to continue their job. I also think that they're going to be, once the litigation sort of works itself through the system, it wouldn't surprise me if the employers also have to make some reasonable accommodations if you are unable or unwilling to get the vaccination. So if, the, if you're used to working at home and you're not around other employees and you're not around other folks that uh, they do business with, uh, I'm going to guess that they're going to have to accommodate that. If, however, uh, you can't make accommodations based on your job, uh, I, I think it's going to shake out that employers can terminate you for not getting a vaccine. Wow. 
Hey, any word on what's going on with uh, Rudy Giuliani and how the feds busted into his house and, and took a bunch of devices? Yeah, I mean, all I know is that the the feds got a search warrant. Now, imagine that, and they went into Giuliani's house and they searched. Now, I did hear Giuliani; he was he was talking to some media outlet about how he offered up information on Hunter Biden's uh, storage <laughs> devices, and the and the agent said, "Now, nah, we, we're not interested in that. You can keep those." Uh, <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, in Giuliani <laughs> fashion, he was uh, the, the man. The man. Let's just say he's got some metal behind him. I mean, he uh, he seems to have. Uh, have a backbone. So I, I, I don't know what that's all about. I think we'll see what it's all about. And uh, if there is anything that's uh, nefarious or improper, they're looking for it and uh, they'll find it. Yeah. NBC had to issue a retraction and apologize because they reported the news wrong. Like when they first, they said that he was uh, on uh, already they had trumped up charges on him that him and uh, that he was in cahoots with Trump on uh, Russia and all this. Yeah, charges. they had to retract. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of crazy. They they had a bad source. Yeah. And, and, you know, just as a general matter, you know, in the Department of Justice, you know, that serves under the discretion of the executive branch. And it just it, whether it's true or not, the optics of this are questionable. You know, when you've got a new president coming in and it was so contentious and everybody hated Trump and it was either you either like Trump or you hated him, you voted for him or you voted for Biden. That was it. And then all of a sudden, the Justice Department is raiding Trump, uh, Trump's attorney's office. It's just a bad look. So whoever's out there in charge of that, maybe Mr. Biden, I know you listen to our podcast every day. <laughs> you probably ought to back off on this one. Just let, let the sleeping dogs be. But uh, that's just my two cents. And that that's, has nothing to do with my support either way. It's just it's, it's a bad optic. It looks, like, it looks like the executive might be abusing their authority uh, to conduct uh, using Department of Justice resources to conduct an investigation against your political rival. And I, look, if there's a real crime there, it's their job to smoke it out and, and investigate. So I'm not saying that either, but be careful maybe is the, the right message. All right. This, this one just came in. My great niece is pregnant and they have found fentanyl in her system. Both grandmothers want to fight for the baby's baby. However, neither may be in a position to actually raise a newborn child. Would the unborn baby be granted a guardian and EM? Ad litem. Ad litem. knew I was going to mess that up. Uh, All right. Will uh, the state of Ohio step in for this unborn child? Maybe. I, you know, honestly, this is one of those I don't know for sure type questions. But my guess is yes. I'm guessing that if if the if this went to court, I'm, you know, I just don't know how the courts will handle that. If you go to juvenile court right now and uh, request, it would be the equivalent of a shelter care hearing or you're, you're filing an action claiming that the child is being abused, neglected, or dependent upon the state of Ohio. And uh, often in those situations, they will appoint a guardian ad litem. Now, that's just a lawyer, an individual, a social worker, somebody whose job it is to go advocate for the child. And to the extent that an unborn child is a baby, a human baby, and will soon become a baby outside the womb, then uh, then there it makes sense that there would be a guardian ad litem for that. Now, there's going to be a definitive answer and those who practice in this area regularly will know it, and I'd be happy to help somebody look this up. But, uh, you know, it's, it's sad. It's disconcerting to hear that there's fentanyl in the mother's or soon-to-be mother's system. And uh, I, I agree that something ought to be done, and, you know, it probably ought to start with help for everybody. So yeah, give me a gross. shout. Yeah, 614-224-6142. I'll try to get you the right people. Yeah, I really feel for that family. I would like to ask a very serious question before you go. Uh, Britney Spears. <laughs> yes. I, I know you have much of the evidence and you've heard a lot of the story. What do you make of this and where where do they go with it? 
You know, I didn't hear how the last thing, uh, how the last, I think wasn't there hearings last week, so I, I may not be the expert on this, but I did see her Instagram, dan- like, I, I, it's sort of like a, why I watch this, I don't know, but she's dancing, it doesn't even it's look like. hypnotizing, right? <laughs> I mean, you're watching and you're going, is this for real? Like, do you feel like you're getting punked when you're watching it? I, I, it just, it looks like something, it, I, I can't even describe it. it. It's so bizarre that she's dancing. Like a small child twirling around and stuff. That's what it, it yeah. you know? Makes me think of, and, and I didn't even hear music. I I, I don't know. It, it just looks really weird. It doesn't. I don't think it's helping her case to say that she's got all her wits about her because it's just bizarre. Now, uh, generally speaking, the conservatorship, I think, yeah, the conservatorship is is out there, and I don't know what the courts are going to do with it, but it, it's uh, it's a mess, and uh, now it's become public, and uh, I guess we'll just watch it unfold, watch the train crash happen. Obviously, more pressure on the legal system when it becomes public, like the judge. She's been under this conservatorship for 13 years. Right, but for for the legal system to look into it, it thoroughly, you know, like to really have a deep dive, I mean, without any question now that the public's involved, wouldn't you say, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I think whenever – I guess I would say this. It's always a public forum. Uh, it, not always, but generally courts are public. You can go in and watch anything. Some courts – some. Some actions are private and the doors get closed and locked, but uh, the media attention on any problem that's in court tends to heighten everybody's concern uh, about the optics, and which is really to say they want to make sure they do it right. I, I hate to say that it might influence the outcome one way or another if the media is involved, but I think that probably is true at times also. So, yeah, I think you're right. Having the media involved and having that heightened scrutiny uh, doesn't do anybody any favors, particularly Brittany and the litigants. So. She says the problem is her dad. She wants her mom involved, her dad out. She wants to give him his walking papers because he does collect money monthly. Yeah, it's like he a does, job for him, right? He does pay. She's paying all his legal fill, um, sorry, bills. fees. Yeah, and bills. I yeah. try to put them together. <laughs> um, but she said they don't even talk anymore. She's angry at him. She's been angry at him for a long time over business issues and certain people. Jamie embraced on the team. People Brittany doesn't like because she feels they were motivated, not by her interests, but theirs. And she has no say. That would suck to be making all this money and someone has control over you like a like a marionette. Yeah, it, it's 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 sad, really. I mean, she's a she's a grown adult. She is whether she apparently she's not capable of making or, or making her own decisions and managing her affairs. I don't know. But- that will here's, here's the thing I want to tell you about that. She was under this conservatorship for 13 years, unable to make her own decisions, but they put her on a reality show as a judge to judge other people's lives like on their their talents and how can she get that role if she can't be in control of her own decisions well i don't think one necessarily means the other it's it you know it's uh it's entertainment based that's what it is it's she can go out there and work for the money but she can't i I don't know i just didn't like it anecdotally it it, that seems like a, a relevant analogy but there's probably more to it i mean being able to uh do your job in entertainment is one thing being being able to manage a complicated business uh enterprise of that of, of that size is a whole nother mess. And, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think the two are necessarily inconsistent. So it could very well be true that Brittany is able to perform. She's able to uh, go and be on TV shows live or, or reality shows or otherwise and do her job. But then when she goes home at night, maybe she spends all her time buying stuff that she shouldn't buy and spending money that she shouldn't <laughs> spend and she can't get her bills paid and she can't keep up on all the obligations that, uh, that she has. And, you know, the sad part is, is that this is family related. There's conflict. It, it sort of gives the stink of 
dad's just in it to take her daughter's money and that's all his motive is. But I'm not saying that's necessarily true. In fact, there's probably somewhere in the middle is probably where the truth lies. Well, we're going to have to uh, get some more uh, Britney Spears breakdown from Steve Palmer. And by the way, (laughs) on the side, he gives legal advice too. Okay. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Steve Palmer. Thanks, man. Hey, thank you. And you guys can find Steve on theblitz.com. Check out his podcast. You can link with him if you need legal help. So we are back on Lawyer Talk Live, May 5, Cinco de Mayo edition. We just finished up with the Blitz. Um, Cinco de Steve-O. Cinco de Steve-O. It is my birthday, birthday, Steve-O. Anybody who's out there just begging to know my birth date, now you do. May 5. But, uh, yeah, here live again at the Lawyer Talk table. We'll uh, we'll do some wrap-up on the Blitz session here in a minute. But uh, just to get everybody up to speed, we do have Norm Murdoch at the table. Jared dragged him in here. Yeah. Smile yeah. for the camera, Norm. Hey. Uh, yeah, there's Norm. There's you know, Norm. Steve, after listening to you uh, do all that, it, 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 and this shows you how warped my brain is, all I kept thinking, and this is all trivial, but it, it, it is how my mind works. I kept thinking of, like, if my name was Palmer and I, and I was a, an attorney, you have you got to find a partner. You got to find a couple partners. One named Emerson and one named Lake. I <laughs> swear to God, I want to see Emerson, Lake, and Palmer on a sign out in front. I mean, dude, of all the weighty issues we take on, I mean, you're thinking dude, of Emerson, that would Lake, be, and Palmer. That would be badass. You know, yeah. that really would be. And then you could dissolve the firm the next day, just just for one, one day. day, one day, one day, man. Yeah. One day I'm going to take a glimpse or a snapshot. I'll send it up to the Ohio Supreme Court. We can Court. legally change our name for one day. Right. Yes. My God, that, that's beautiful. How did we never think of that before? Brain yeah. salad surgery. You Just go to the beard and be like this. I need you to change your name. Yeah, you can be a partner, but you got to change your name. <laughs> you're, you have a choice, though. Since your name is Lynn, you can have Lake. Yes. And... That way, it's not such a big switch for you. You can at least keep your initials the same. Well, I mean, just think of that. You had a rock station calling in, and it's like, hey, now we're going to get a hold of Emerson Lake and Bob. Oh, my God. Whoa. I'll hashtag it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll probably sue me. Yeah. Good thing you're an attorney. Yeah, I know. Pretty convenient, isn't it? Anyway, I apologize for that, but that's Uh, all I could think about. uh, uh, Going on and on about Britney. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Happy birthday to you, Steve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bring in Norm. All he wants to do is make fun of my law firm. <laughs> so, sorry. That's beautiful. So that was the Blitz experience, man. You got to. It's almost like you were there in the studio with yeah. Randy and Lober, and it, it just yeah. is. Uh, yeah. It's a thing. What do you got going? Oh, here's the Britney video he's got up there. Um, you know, uh, this is like the. This was what we hatched. We wanted. Uh, interesting people to come in and experience the blitz uh questions and then help us talk about them afterwards yeah and you're the first you know this is our third week live now third week live with video anyway and Mm -hmm. and i think your your firearms question in particular resonated because i think a lot of uh a lot of people that are law abiding and want to be law abiding are going to get caught up um in a lot of trouble I, I i would imagine that there'll be all kinds of attempts to roll back the carry laws yep i mean you know that 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 the last 20 years has been this renaissance of you know uh, firearm rights uh being asserted by legislatures around the country and i i i know that's been driving the um uh 
you know, the, the anti-freedom uh, party crazy. And uh, I expect that there'll, there'll be legislation on that. They're trying to nationalize uh, police policing, you know, um, and, and uh, once you do that and you couple it with firearms legislation, um, you know, they're going to try to essentially um, make almost anything you do with a gun illegal. Yeah. And, you know, boy, there's a lot. You just added a whole lot of stuff to the plate there, but that's okay. You've got, <laughs> you know, you're right about the gun. The first point you made, which I agree with, is now all of a sudden we're going to start seeing more enforcement of firearms related laws. Right. And, and this happened back in the Obama years, too. Selectively. Yeah. It, well, it, selectively in the sense that. Um, <laughs> well, if you're a grandmother and you're in the projects in Chicago, and a rapist comes through your window and you use a shotgun, which you're not supposed to have in Chicago, to, uh, you know, defend, defend yourself. yourself. Yeah. Okay. Th- there isn't a prosecutor in Chicago that's going to go after grandma for doing that. Correct. Okay. And, that, and I've got clippings to back that up because that's factually occurred. That, that's a case. Yeah, that's a case. Um, now, um, you, you take that out of that scenario, right? And um, you're the couple in St. Louis you know, and you're defending your property against rioters who say that they're going to rape your wife and kill your dog and burn your mansion to the ground, they're going to go after those people. Yes, they are. And here, it's it's a good point you're making because, and this is what we were talking about earlier, is that the, the, the Department of Justice is an arm of the executive branch of government. And what that the ramifications of that are significant, or at least can be significant, and they can also be abused. Or the power that power can be abused. And you know, back in I'm not saying this is an abuse of power. I'm not saying it's not an abuse of power. But back in 08, 09 ish, we in my profession, defending folks charged with crimes, started to see uh, some gun crimes in federal court. There was a situation where any drug case in that we had locally here that involved the ATF as part of the task force or otherwise, uh, and there was a gun involved, it went to federal court. And that was done, I surmise, to pad numbers on gun prosecutions and justify the existence of the ATF. I defended uh, at least one case, and a couple actually, where they were strictly regulatory. In other words, like improper gunsmithing. And uh, didn't, you know, you had an off-site gunsmithing shop that wasn't geographically linked to the actual uh, shop that had the F- federal firearms license, uh, even if you're a responsible party under the license, it has to be in the same premise. Sort of technical stuff that when you prosecute it, it just looks like they violated the very important gun laws. But when you dig into it, it's sort of ticky-tack stuff. And I, again, it, it is the law and you have to follow it. Um, but we didn't see those prosecutions a couple years before that. And I didn't see those prosecutions in the last four or five years. And now uh, we're going to start seeing them again, and uh-huh. it's because that is the enforcement measures that the executive wants to take. And this, we saw the same thing. I, I called up some a friend of mine uh, in in law enforcement way back when, uh, after say nine eleven, and maybe the three or four or five years after that. And I said, "What happened to all the drug cases?" And they said, "Oh no, we're doing terrorism work now. We're not enforcing drug." Now it didn't mean that drug crimes went down. It just meant that federal prosecutions of drug crimes went down. So there's a there's a difference. But you know what you're saying is you're going to see increased measures of enforcement and you're then you took it to the next level and say it's going to be selectively enforced based on sure. um, politics or 
and uh, it happens. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, though, to clarify that analogy. Sure. Because something popped in my head when you said it. And I'm just becoming the devil's advocate. No, that's that cool. The grandma defends herself with a shotgun when the, the, the right. rapist or in burglary a comes in, into her an apartment. An illegal shotgun. Okay. You're not then, allowed to possess a shotgun right. in Chicago back at that time. Yeah. This is before the Heller decision. Okay. But the action happened. That, it, the, oh, that, that, the, that actually right, happened. That the person came in to attack her, burglar, whatever. And she had an so, illegal contraband shotgun and used right. it to defend herself, and they did nothing to her. Okay. And I'm glad they did nothing right. to her. And then, the, and then the other side you're comparing it to, though, is defending your home of people saying they're going to rape and pillage they your, were your mansion. They, but, they, but they didn't do it. That, the, the, so that couple is accused of brandishing. Right. Okay. They had but, a gun yeah. on display and and projected that they were willing to use them, and that's brandishing. Okay. Okay, and that's against the law, I guess, you know, in, okay. in, in, in the state of Missouri. Okay. Well, I just want to – because I, I knew that scenario, but I didn't think yeah. anything happened. They were just protecting. Nobody came in and did what they said they were going to well, do. Well, nothing happened either way. So first, right. there was nobody got shot. Right. right. And secondly, nobody came in the house. Now, what, what Norm, you're talking about is brandishing. So it, it yeah. is true mostly across the board that if I brandish a firearm, it is a use of deadly force for purposes okay. of establishing. That's what I wanted to kind of expand on a little For bit. purposes yeah. of thinking about self-defense. They were on the property. And they were right. on the they property. They were, though. Yeah. You're right. Oh, yeah, for they, sure. They were, they were and, and you know, most states, I don't know. I think that was out in Missouri, but most states uh, let you use deadly force to defend your property or your home. And this is, uh, we're getting to the heart of the Second Amendment. And if you use Supreme Court verbiage, the core value of the Second Amendment is the defense, is self-defense and the defense of home. And it is illegal to threaten okay. violence. Yes. So if I right. say, words if, matter. If yeah, I exactly. say, yeah. I'm, I'm going to murder you, mm -hmm. or I'm going to rape you, or I'm going to do this or that or the other thing, and it's an act of violence, that is against the law. Mm -hmm. I'm, right. not, I'm not allowed to say that. Right, exactly. Without consequences. to your words, exactly. Well, yeah. it's a, yeah. that's a threat, mm -hmm. and there's laws against that. Yeah. So okay. these people were threatened with, with violence, and I think it's reasonable for them to then, you know, what would a reasonable man do? reasonable man would defend himself and they used the appropriate amount of brandishing mm -hmm. or projecting of power to need what they needed to do to put that threat aside and i would say they did a perfect job of that well it's always been how and we've talked about this numerous because times, no how violence the media how the media frames it well, and now this problem, is the well, yeah. that that is it, and and Norm, you're right. It is a that that I perceive as a grossly politically driven and motivated prosecution. Absolutely, that is, that is absurd. Now, a couple of things just to just to be fair, it's not the federal government bringing that prosecution. It's a, it's at the state level. I think. Am I right about that? It's a Soros funded. A local prosecutor. Sure, but it's not DOJ. It's not federal no. U.S. Department of mm -hmm. Justice. No. And then the second thing is it's not Illinois. It's not Chicago. So it, it's it can't be selective prosecution from a legal standpoint right. unless it's two people are treated differently or two situations treated differently uh, by the same people, by the same jurisdiction. Well, um, okay, so let's take Louisville. So there was the NFAC march where uh, uh, what's Grandmaster Jay and his guys uh, were uh, using their Second Amendment rights. 
No, open. They, they call me the exchequer. <laughs> they were openly carrying. They were having their little get it up there. Have having their little parade, and there was a negligent. It's not up there now. What? What you're looking at? Oh no, I'm trying to find what exactly happened. Um, oh, I got you. To these oh, Missouri man. folks. Oh gotcha. yeah, okay. yeah. Gotcha. So, Keep going. Sure. so there was um, there was that uh, in in you know where Brianna you know Taylor was uh, same jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in fact uh, the non let's see, no fucking around coalition. In fact. Mm. Grandmaster Jay, um, uh, ostensibly a civil rights group, uh, Second Amendment guys, um, uh, carrying their M, you know, their AR-15s, whatever. And there was a negligent discharge. You probably remember a couple of people were actually struck by uh, either the bullets or by ricochet material that uh, injured two people. That's yep. my understanding. No prosecution. Now, had that been an NRA or um, had I'm just trying to think of some other march. If that had been a pro police march or a, are you kidding me? KKK. So I always I always go to the extremes. Are you I, well, well? Why why go KKK? Let Let's just say NRA. Let's just suppose it was uh, a, a bunch of farmers. Yeah. Who just wanted to pro Trump people call it pro Trumpers or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't even doesn't even have to be in the realm of of supporting a candidate, but just guys who are of a different color. Okay. okay fair enough. So then, in this situation, you think that, uh, and I'm not saying you're wrong. That oh, I'm, these, de- this I'm group definitely was, not wrong. This group was <laughs> treated differently because of their race, and I think you're We're right. Talking downtown Louisville, there was a discharge of an AR-15. They know the the guy who was carrying it. They know now know it was loaded. It went off and it injured two people. Yeah. What if that were the Proud Boys? Oh, come on. Right. It'd be it'd be the yeah. federal like no. the, the federal government would descend on so that it, and so, be all over it. So there you go. Same jurisdiction. Okay. Uh, this big thing about the cop and it, you know, and I wasn't there and I don't know all the facts about Brianna and I'm sorry she's dead and all that, uh, and I'm sincere about that. But I'm also sincere about a guy carrying a gun. And it, it negligently is discharged, injures two people, and they do nothing about that. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And that's... Um, that's a political decision not to prosecute. Correct. I get a million of those. And, or we'd be here all day. Yeah. And and this is... Now, this is... Um, it's an interesting point because in my world, representing people charged with crimes, there's always a what about this case or what about that case or this guy got more than this guy got sure and the only thing i've learned in the world doing what i do is that in i can't i have no answer to it there is no answer to it other than it's not fair it's discretion yeah it's just it's not fair it's discretion and and often i have people charged with crimes when others doing the same thing are not charged with crimes i have people who are treated differently by the system where at least on the face of it, the facts are the same in another case where people are treated differently. And I just don't have an answer for it. But when you point out situations like that, it really does sort of peel the layers back of what goes on and why we have prosecutions and and what motivates things. And this is like my, I I have this notion I love going back to this notion of scarcity, like everything. There's a scarcity to everything and there's a scarcity of resources to prosecute cases. There's a scarcity of law enforcement. There's a scarcity of court time. There's a scarcity of lawyer time. Right. And how it gets implemented certainly results in some discrimination against somebody somehow, maybe not unlawful, but it happens. Right. Now what you're talking about is, or if it's, if it's proven, 
would even be unlawful if it's a disparate treatment or at least different treatment by somebody based on their skin color or race, right. whether they're white or whether they're black or whether they're Asian or whether they're not, whatever it is, right. it's discrimination and it's not permitted by government actors. Right. I hate to dominate, but you know, as soon as we start talking about race, okay, this drives me crazy. So, so, you know, just to describe myself a little bit, I probably am part African-American. I probably am. Um, I don't understand people that are proud of being Irish, proud of being Italian, proud of being black, proud of being something that is a complete accident of their birth. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you're proud of that. I'm, I'm not proud of being male. I'm not proud of being an Ohioan. I'm just, I just am what I am. And I don't understand, I don't understand any of this racialization of things that you're not the cause of. Now, am I proud that um, I had a, a decent tomato garden? Yeah. Am I proud that I won a race? Yeah. Um, am I proud that I have a, a college degree? Yeah. I did those things. Am I proud of, of my ethnic heritage? No. Yeah, and I think there's I a confusion. I, I don't even get that. There, I think there's a confusion, and, and I guess I would say I would say this, that proud of your ethnic origin is maybe different than um, a connection with the culture of your ethnic origin. So if somebody is Irish and their grandmother was Irish and their father was Irish and they used to sing the Irish uh, tenor songs, I, you know, I think that is in large part what makes our country so cool is that we do have, that is true diversity. Well, you can like that. Is that is diversity. You now, can... pride may not be the right word, but a connection maybe is Terrible. often confused with pride or saying, I am, I guess you're demanding when you, when it starts to be, you expect certain different treatment one way or another because of those things. Well, well then that's a, that, that goes too I'll far. I'll tell you where I'm going. Okay. So Barack Obama. Well, I don't, I don't know if his father, you, you know, because we're not Nazis with race courts in this country. I don't know his father's complete DNA background, and I don't give a rat. But let's just suppose for sake of argument that his father was 100 uh, percent African, 100 percent Negro, 100 percent black. And let's just suppose his mother was 100 percent Caucasian, white cracker, whatever, you know, pejorative people want to put on white people. So what is Barack Obama? What should he be proud of? Should he, is he proud of being white? Is he proud of being, why is he proud of being black? Why is he proud of his race at all? I'm not proud of mine. I'm not, I'm not um, embarrassed. I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I don't dislike my race. It's just a factor. It's like I have brown hair. Who cares? I, sure. It, 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 I would like myself or dislike myself no more if I had blonde hair or red hair than I have brown hair. Sure. And, you know, I think— I don't get it. And, and I don't get this racialization of everything, Steve. I don't, I, well, I don't understand it's a, it. It's a path to Marxism is what it is, well, right? It, That's exactly. It, right. Exactly. That's but, the... but I don't understand why we can't calmly talk about race. I, I've heard from the left my entire life that we need to have a conversation about race in this country. Dude, I'm afraid of no conversation about race in this country. I've been talking about race my entire life. I come from a political family. Um, I, uh, my father and my family have been in black churches campaigning for their votes. 
Um, I've been to black student organizations when I campaigned for um, uh, being the the president uh, at the University of Cincinnati student government. I was endorsed by those organizations, and I just made the argument, I will represent you uh, like I will any other student organization. And I'm sure that's what Ginther tells uh, black groups here in, in Columbus. I'm sure that's what uh, Sherrod Brown tells black groups in, in the state of Ohio. And, and, and what I don't understand is the this whole identity thing that only blacks can represent blacks, only Italians can represent Italians, only gays can represent gays, only lesbians can represent lesbians. We are destroying our country by division. It is absurd. It's all those absurd. things. Yeah. All those things it's are absurd. absurd. And and I've always said this. And and what you're really talking about is a is a is a logical takedown of this notion of the critical race theory. You know, where Absolutely. where all of a sudden you if you we off off the air we were talking about this. If right. you take certain terms, redefine them, yeah, and then argue from those new definitions, well then it's easy to have a logical argument, except it isn't logical. Well, why change the terms? Why, right. So why is Madam Justice shown with a, a, a blinder over her eyes? Why is she blind? Justice is blind because you're not supposed to consider Correct. external facts like race, yes. color of my hair, my pride about being black or white or whatever my problem is about my pride of, of my skin color, which is just de facto silly. It it's is, silly. It's 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 and it's a non-factor in our justice system, and people should be taught that. But yet, that was precisely the factor which determined whether or not to prosecute those guys at the end. Fact, uh, yes. March. Yes, I no. I think you're you're absolutely right about all of it, and it yeah. all makes sense. And if you, I think if we just took a survey around uh, our country and just sort of asked people in a casual way, do they agree with you? They would say yes. I think most of the Americans would agree with you that everybody should be treated equally by the system, no matter what system we're in, whether sure. we're in a whatever government run system there is. Right. Every uh, everybody ought to be treated equally. Yeah. And uh, if they're not, then we need to address it. Yeah. But I think you're right. By creating this racial divisiveness, you are advocating for the opposite. You want to treat one race differently than the other, maybe better and maybe worse. I don't know. Or you want to deem it a factor in how you were treated. And that is a path, forgive me, but it's a path straight to hell. It Absolutely. just is. When you start giving our government the authority to pick and choose which race to uh, treat differently, whether treat better or treat worse, right. it is a path to hell. We've been on that path. It killed 600,000 people in our country yeah. in 1861 to 1865, yeah. right? right? I mean, it, it was yeah. – that was a path to hell. Yeah. And um, – I had one of those relatives. Uh, so we, we have a relative that died in the Andersonville prison, Confederate prison. Uh, so he was a Union soldier, Irish, um, you know, recent immigrant, uh, fought for the Union, was taken prisoner, died in Andersonville, Georgia, in that in the in the you know, the concentration camp there. OK, so when when people when Jesse and Al roll out this silly idea about reparations, for people alive today that were never slaves, people that maybe like Colin Powell, whose ancestors weren't even in America during slavery, uh, that came in from the Caribbean or some other place, um, 
when they want to talk about reparations, well, where's the reparations for all the Union soldiers' families? Who died, yeah. And and I've had that conversation with Are people. Are you kidding me? And, I mean, like, like you know, what? The, the, split it down the middle. There's probably more uh, Southerners who died in the war than Northerners just because we won. The North well, won. Well, but well, it's, they say it's 250,000 people. Well, dude, where's my reparations from the Turkish government for them taking over the uh, country of Lebanon and enslaving my people? Yeah. Where, where are my reparations uh, for my Irish ancestors because Great Britain oppressed and, and murdered, you know, millions of, of, of Irish through starvation, yeah. just like Stalin did in the Ukraine? It is, it, it is just a euphemism for stirring up— uh, It's ridiculous. —stirring up uh, political winds to get power. And, and that's all this is. It's and, insanity. And, you know, I can't, you're right, that with all this talk of having, we have to have a conversation, I have found people who advocate this stuff so unwilling to actually have a conversation, to have a logical conversation anyway. Right. And instead, the shout down is, you're racist. You wouldn't understand. You don't understand. You haven't, you don't have my lived experience. And, right. and my, my typical response to this is, and I'm not even shy about it, is, look, if you have a lived experience, it's incumbent upon you to explain it to me. Right. If you don't think I can understand it, explain it to me. Well, who do the checks go to? Yeah. Are we going to cut a check to Barack Obama? If if so, what on what basis? His Where, father was sure. a Kenyan. Where do you stop it? Like uh, who who gets it? Is it, well, it solely on skin color? Now we're going to have a race test. <laughs> now we're going to well, have a DNA he, test. Well, was he black or and is he white? You know who's going to make a lot of money? It doesn't the, matter. The the family tree people and the DNA people they're going to make a ton of money because everybody's going to go are. get tested. Well we're, well, we're right back to race courts. We're, we're, yeah. Now we're Nazi Germany, where you're going to go in. You've got to establish: uh, Are you are are you not a, an African American uh, who who's entitled to get this loan forgiven or get these reparations or or get your affirmative action um, uh, points to uh, get a scholarship or get a job at the fire department. Is that really where we want to go with this country? We, we elected ostensibly a black president twice by overwhelming majorities from white suburbs. I think we're done. Yeah. I, th- I, think, I think we're equal. I think we're done. I think... I heard I heard a, a survey result that said 97% of Americans are okay with interracial marriages. My God, at, at what point of perfection, of racial harmony, do we have to get to before the race-baiting industry, Al and Jesse and the gang, and Ben, you know, and all these other guys that want to stir up, the, the ones that jumped on the Columbus shooting— you know, where the where the cop is defending another black girl from a black girl uh, with a knife. Okay, how much how much more of this do we have to endure before we finally gavel out that hey, in America we're doing pretty damn good? Yeah, and you know there is a notion of look, I'm a woodworker, and I've always made this sort of joke to myself. It's like perfection is absolutely necessary, but completely unattainable. Right? Yeah. It's like we're never going to have everybody's notion of perfect harmony ever. Utopia doesn't exist. It never has existed. We're not going to just suddenly reinvent human nature and reinvent human civilization here in our era and make it perfect because then it would suck if everybody is equal and everybody is the same and everybody can do what everybody else can do and everybody has what everybody else has. There is nothing nothing, uh, valuable there. There is nothing... Uh, to want. There is nothing to work for. There is nothing to, there's no satisfaction in life 
and you know, people, this is, this is a basic Christian notion too, really. People are like, well, look, it, why have all this suffering or why have all these uh, disparities and everything else? It's because it, it, like equality, if you didn't have those things, then there would be no way to measure that those things even exist. Like, it, like we know those things because right. they are. Right. Like you can't, if everybody's the same, then everybody's the same. Right. And there is no measure of anybody. And uh, it doesn't mean that one is worse than the other. I think, I think we just need to accept that I am not going to be able to drive a race car as well as you. You are good at it, and I'm cool with it. Or maybe you know you're better at whatever it is you're better at, and I'm better at whatever it is I'm better at it. And you know this is basic uh, sort of Lockean stuff: is that we're going to learn how to get along and and utilize through alienation of labor or through agreement or through human interaction the best of everybody. But if you cram down equality on everybody, then you don't make the people incapable of driving a race car capable, you no. you have to lessen your ability to do it. It's a handicap. No, no, I, yeah, 100%. That's My retort it. to this is, it's just for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they can do it, Norm. Yeah. And well, while we're focused over here, yeah. they're taking away all of what we have right now. Absolutely. Well, and, and here's here's the other big question. For and, sure. And the big question is this, that, that I, I still am waiting on an answer for. What is the alternative? So we need to fund quote fundamentally change our country, fundamentally change our system. And they're talking about the Constitution, presumably. And I've had this conversation, man, because this pisses me off. I actually, you know, we've had problems with our Constitution that we have rectified through the constitutional process, which is ironic, right? Because if the document is so horrible, then why then uh, would it give us a means or so, so women's suffrage? Yeah, we have the women's means suffrage. to change it, right? Yeah. And there's a process, right? So change it. Um, you know, the first state to give women the right to vote? I don't. I think it was Montana. Yes. I mean, isn't that no, interesting? It was Wyoming. Was it Wyoming? Wyoming. It was Wyoming. out west. It, it, you know, it, it, one of those out there. I and, always ask people, what would you change? Yeah. So we're talking, like, I, I hear the same complaints. Right. A bunch of old white dudes that own slaves wrote this document. And I say, I agree. Now, what, what you're going to rewrite it. What are you going to do? Wyoming. Yeah, so so next time somebody, some snotty European, like, you know, from England, because I'm on a lot of discussion lists, you know, likes to wag his finger and say, you know, gosh, you guys were afraid of women voting. Wyoming gave women the vote before Great Britain. Hmm. Interesting. Go ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead and check that out. 1869, mm-hmm. Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, you know, the Europeans can stick it right up their ass. Yeah. Oh, it, our, our ethnic diversity here, our women's rights— our, our standing against slavery while England stood for the Confederacy, mm-hmm. okay, during the Civil War, okay, and, and tried a n- numerous ways to foil Abraham Lincoln and, and, the, and the Union during the war, um, for them to talk down to us, okay, or for, or for America to be perceived as a racist country is a flat-out joke. Yeah, no, it's a flat. It's Europeans absurd. perpetrated the slavery that came to America, okay, and it was Americans that threw the yoke of European slavery off of this country. Yeah, it was it was a movement in America of black and whites getting together, starting the Republican Party, and even before then, Jefferson and Washington they knew it was wrong. Yes. Okay. Otherwise, why would they free their slaves at their deaths? Yeah. Okay. Why would they do that? Because they knew it was wrong. Now, if you go back and, and read these dialogues 
particularly the ones later, I've talked about this on the show before, the ones later between Adams and Jefferson, who hated each other uh, through most of their sort of uh, salient political careers. But on as they grew old and they look back like these uh, sort of grandfathers of the country and said, look what's, look what's happened, what is it? You, you, you can hear in their in their tone, the one regret they had, which is they couldn't get rid of slavery yet. They knew that they had punted that for the next group of, right. of, of people of great men who were going right. to get rid of it. Right. And I had this, I've had so many intelligent people. And yet they put the seeds, the three fifths. Yes. Count. They, they planted the seeds. They planted the seeds. And it doesn't mean that a black person is worth three fifths of a white person, which is being taught incorrectly incorrectly you bet by the 1619 or whatever that idiot project is they don't even understand the purpose of that yeah it was to give them less power in congress it was to give the slave states less power in congress correct duh right it was a pro-freedom clause put in the constitution yeah and then uh comes the kansas nebraska act and all this and that was after uh lincoln was then after lincoln gets assassinated it sort of go. It starts to go the wrong way again until it's in. It, it just the history, with all its warts, with all its flaws, with everything else, is what it is. And I know what it is not. And I've had intelligent people make this comment to me: Our country was built on slavery, and it's complete hogwash. It's nonsense. Our country was built despite slavery. It almost wasn't built because of slavery. Right. We almost didn't have a country. After after we we almost couldn't get the southern states to join the Union uh, and the northern states to join the Union because they disagreed on this stuff. And well, the, the cotton industry mm-hmm. did not falter because of the end of slavery because the cotton gin was invented almost sure. contemporaneously sure. with the end of the Civil War. And so technology made it possible for fewer people to harvest cotton the same. Sure. You know, so, so the South did not lose the cotton uh, industry, of course not. You know, because uh, because of the end of slavery. And in fact, slavery is objectively contrary to capitalism. I mean, it is it is, it couldn't be more inconsistent with a capitalistic exactly. society. And right. maybe we would have had the cotton gin long before if they would have had to. Exactly. Right. You know, it's like right. instead they through force of slavery they 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 didn't have to have that. Huh. Just and, like maybe the minimum wage would naturally under market forces be higher uh if we weren't taking in unfettered illegal immigrants. Well sure. Huh. Right. Wow. So if there were fewer people in this country to do stoop labor and you actually had to pay American citizens, I don't know, 20, 25 bucks an hour to, to pick fruit in California, jobs that Americans won't do. Well, maybe they would do it at 25 bucks an hour. Oh, don't get me started, Norm. I lived out there. Man, those guys are just raping the system. Absolutely. Absolute. Yeah. I yeah. mean, my God. Absolutely. And I've always said about this, like these, these are the, the immigration and the, and the foreign labor coming in. Uh, there's a real simple way, you well, know. You can just say, "All right, fine, you can come and work here, but you got to sign right here. You're not allowed to live here. You can't stay. You got a work permit, and we're going to take taxes." Well, Ends it like that. Well, you know who used to patrol the border? You know, they they say it's all these white guys with guns and their ARs, and they're the you know because they don't like Mexicans, they don't like people with brown skin. It was Caesar Chavez. So the patron saint of organized labor of the Democrat Party was the most fierce opponent brutal of illegal immigration why because his pickers union guys would not get paid 
you know, any kind of a living wage if they could bring poor Mexicans in across the border, pay them basically nothing, slave sure. labor, mm-hmm. okay? So, I mean, it, it it's just unbelievable that people turn that into a racial issue when it's an economic issue. It's absurd. So why do you think that is? Why? And I, you know, I, I question this. Is it if you just if you talk to people, they take on the talking points of the media and they would say it's it's racism not to promote an open border policy. Right. And, and I think, well, that's just absurd. Um, but why? If you ask most people, they're going to they would agree with that without really thinking about it. But then you have to ask, like, what's the real reason why one group of people or one party would want open borders over not open borders? Because I got to tell you, it. it Connecting those dots in a real nefarious way is not that difficult. Well, the party of big business is the Democratic Party. Sure. All the big wigs on Wall Street, all the, all the big bankers, all the big media tycoons, with the exception of, of just, you know, a few percent, they're all Democrats. So, so, so these uh, factory farms, you know, like take the egg farm out there uh, under previous management. I don't know what the current management does, but under the previous management out there where Jared and I live, mm-hmm. staffed. The, in fact, the biggest OSHA fine in history up up to up until that time was an unheated, overcrowded house full of illegal Mexican immigrants, and they they dropped the boom. On the on the egg farm out there for that, because of the, um, the these guys were literally burning wood in the in the in the in the in the frigid temperatures of dead of winter, burning wood to keep that house. They had them. They had them in trailers. They had them in in, in mobile homes, right? With no no water, right? No electric, right? And they had them stacked in there, and they had them hidden out in the woods. I remember I saw a big documentary on <laughs> right. PBS on sure. it. Sure. So where were, where and, were all the where even all... when they hit trillium farms? Okay. Sure. That's, that's been happening for Ever. at least 30, 40 years. I saw. I've right. seen it in Indiana. I've yep. seen it here. Right. I've seen it in California. Right. I have seen it almost in every place right. I've been. Right. Yeah. So, so, so we're and they shuffle them around. So like where, from what, store to store. What, so where's all the caring by all the by all the you know sweet little suburban women that that listen to Oprah and The View, and and have this this pie in the sky notion that it's the evil Republicans that are exploiting the illegal immigrants. No, it's not. They they don't know it's happening. They right? don't know they they're, they're they're Well, that's a good point because how do they lost. they don't know it's happened because of the narrative they're they're the diet they get, the steady diet rather they get from the media. And the problem is if you say it enough times if in you know the the left-leaning media and to some extent the right-leaning media, they're both good at this. They come up with their little talking points, their little catchphrases and then they catch on. Like this is my eye doctor experience. He's like, "Well, Trump was the greatest threat to democracy we've ever had." And then when I asked him why, he couldn't answer. And you know, if I've asked a lot of people why and they can't answer. Uh, they don't have a good answer. Like what and then and if they do say, "Well, because he threatened the outcome of the election." I say, "No, he did that in court." And, you know, you can you the argument you may have is uh, he incited a riot there at the end. And fair enough if if you're going to say that he is the the root cause of that. But it didn't threaten democracy in any way, shape or form. Democracy continued. It would have continued. There was no chance that these jackasses were going to take over our government and, and instill some <laughs> sort of other government. You mean the guy and, with a Viking hat? With sure. The horns? On, on no. the heels of a, of a year of BLM burning our cities? Sure. What so in the what? It Not wasn't. What? It's it's irrational. So when I ask people, how did Trump actually threaten any individual right? 
that you have, any individual right that any citizen has, regardless of their gender, regardless of their color, regardless of anything. What freedom was taken away from anybody when Trump was president? And what freedom did anybody under the Trump administration advocate taking away? Well, I am not I'm not a I'm not a mega Trumper. OK, I, I, I listen, I, I never watched his silly show on TV where, you know, he fired everybody and all that. And I always found his personality revolting and, and all of that. And I voted for him two times. Sure. Now, why did I do that? I did that. OK, so I took maritime law when I was in law school. Maritime law is all about comparative negligence. You know, it, it, there's there's never a perfect boat accident out in the middle of the ocean. It's always a comparative analysis between, you know, two captains who both screwed up. So which one screwed up more? And then you allocate the percentage. So what am I get? What what choice was I given? Sure. Okay, I got Hitlery Clinton. Okay, who wants to dictate everything in my life? Or I got Donald Trump. So what would any normal person, you know, do in that situation? Well, I voted for Trump. It was just a comparative analysis. It wasn't because I liked his personality. It wasn't because he was white. It wasn't because he was male. It wasn't because I liked his personality. It was just like— In the, fact, it was probably despite all those things, right? It was, yeah. He was the least <laughs> worst choice. Yeah. He was the least worst choice. Yeah. And 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 uh, Biden, you know, versus Trump, same decision. And you're, you know, you sort of fall like I do, a libertarian, where the, the true executive uh, grant of authority is actually pretty— small. It should be nominal. The executive really shouldn't have that much power. So it shouldn't matter all that much, except now we've created a system where the executive has almost all the power. We're electing basically a king every four years. There's a whole list of things Trump did wrong. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's 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 an unbelievable list of things he did wrong. If I had fault with Trump, it was the same fault I had with Obama and the same fault I now have with uh, Biden. There are more, but uh, it has to do with uh, this idea of executive action, being able to uh, just sign executive orders and do things because you can't get them through Congress. And it, it may not even be Trump's fault, Obama's fault, or Biden's fault as much as it is our fault for creating a system that permits it because it's not supposed to. Well, Congress decided years ago to create all these departments and secretariat, you know, secretariats. Sure. Woody right? Wilson, old Woodrow. I think it started yeah. under Woodrow Wilson. All, uh, and, uh, and, and, and FDR and, just drove a truck through it. And, and gave them what hitherto were congressional powers. Sure. Okay. Through the regulatory system. Okay, many legislatures, which is made up of you know bureaucrats sitting in their office doing you know advanced notices of federal regulation, okay, that nobody reads, you know, outside of lobbyists. Then lobbyists come in, tell them, no, the regs got to be tweaked a little bit this way, a little bit that way on, you know, uh, EPA average, you know, the cafe laws for for car miles or whatever the issue is, farm policy issues. That's all. And those are things that should hitherto were debated. You know, those kinds of big decisions were debated in Congress. But Congress decided to just offshore that, if you will, yep. to these federal agencies. So now you have people installed in these uh, in these bureaucracies for 30, 40 years, nameless, faceless people, people the, the public cannot get rid of. And Again, they have tons of power. And they I have go tons back of to... Power. It's just for two weeks, Norm. That's all. That's all. Well, That's all. That's all. Here's, a, here's an example I give people because, you know, I love to point out hypocrisy, and I love it when people call me on hypocrisy too because we are all guilty of it. But yeah. 
and we try not to be. We try to. I, I always try to draw consistent boundaries on things and, and have rules that fit in many directions. But everybody right now, all uh, for whatever reason, thinks that our Department of Health, our Director of Health here, say just take Ohio, mm. is omnipotent. They're the best science around. They're the best health. They're the best docs. They're the best everything around. And then I, you know, it, it's just it sort of caught me as like a punch in the gut when I start to hear this because I've been doing DUI, drunk driving defense, my entire career. And our General Assembly, um, and then later our court system has determined that the Director of Health's job is to promulgate, that is create rules for breath testing, urine testing, and blood testing in drunk driving cases. So I can't, in Ohio, believe it or not, go and stand in front of a jury and say, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, there's a test here, it's point. 1.0, and the legal limit is 0.08, and this individual blew into this machine that was otherwise acting the way it's or uh, operating the way it's supposed to. But you know what? This machine is capable of error. This machine is not always reliable, and there are situations where they've created statistical analyses that uh, apply certain formulas to everybody across the board instead of an individual. So your rate of extrapolation of or of elimination of alcohol might be different than Brett's, might be different than Jared's, but we're just going to average them all, and you're going to come up with what your BAC should have been using something called Henry's Law 1200 to 1 uh, uh, conversion ratio, and that's that. I can't say that in a courtroom in front of a jury in Ohio because we have determined, that is, our Ohio Supreme Court has determined that the Director of Health already decided that for us, and it's good science. So it's not good science. Now, here's where it gets really sort of absurd, and it's come to fruition lately. If I am driving a car and I have a prohibited concentration of marijuana in my system— I don't really have a prohibited concentration of marijuana in my system, but it's a it's a crime. It's uh, it's driving under the influence of marijuana. Here's what the director of health has done in its infinite wisdom. They have created a standard, and the general assembly you know went right along with it. They create a standard that doesn't measure THC. It measures the metabolites of THC. So think about that. I'm driving. It's a crime, and. I'm accused of being impaired by marijuana, and they're testing my impairment by the metabolites of the substance I took at some point before. There's no correlation. You can't say that I'm driving impaired now based on the metabolites in my system. I could have smoked pot It could have been 30 days, days ago. ago. Sure, and wow. even longer. Wow. And, and this is the rule in Ohio. Now, it's coming, it's coming to a head again because absurd, stupid rules lead to absurd, stupid results. Yeah. And now with medical marijuana, we're starting to, I'm starting to see some pushback on this. And there's, a national, there's some national scientists and experts. Ohio's unique this way, or at least in the minority, I think, of states that do it this way. They're like, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course it's stupid. <laughs> but your point is this. I don't have a good way to challenge that. I can't go into a courtroom and challenge it. I'm not allowed to because Director Hell said that's what we do. Wow. You know, it's like it's a, it's a circular problem yeah. that has led to absurd results. And it just points out. So if you think that that doesn't make sense, then why on earth do you think that any other policy coming out of the Department of Health right. also makes sense unless you do what we're advocating? Right. Look at it. See what they base their decision on and evaluate it because they're just people too. And they have, I call it my big three, money, power, ego. They are motivated by those things. And uh, their jobs are dependent upon doing things a certain way, like politically, like you're saying. Yeah. And if they don't, then uh, they may not keep their job. The next, they're going to get fired and they'll put somebody in who will. Right. And, and we as people, we the people do not get to vote. You well, mean it's like dictating a shutdown 
off of a test that Correct. isn't supposed to u- be used as a diagnostic test. It's just like to that. find yeah, a virus like that, that actually isn't right there. But somehow um, we're willing. That up. Somehow we're willing to accept that as gospel. I did, but uh, <laughs> not at the same time. If you point out the marijuana thing, they're like, "Well, that's stupid." Yeah. Well, can't two things be stupid? Yeah. Like you know, yeah. uh, like one doesn't make the other stupid. My point is that one might make you want to question the other. And don't just say because this is dumb, the next one's dumb. Well, what 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 we have done with science in in the United States in our culture today is we have decided that um, the side of science that we want to be the dogma, okay, which which is a religious concept, mm-hmm. okay, you know that that is science, okay, and and the scientific method is anything but dogmatic. The scientific method is constant, everlasting, continuous argument and proof about the validity of any conclusion. Correct. Testing, yeah. proof. Norm, you're hitting all the buttons, man. Yeah. You're yeah. hitting all yeah. our buttons, boys. It's like this talking is, to ourselves. It is. It's, <laughs> so, Steve and I have been having that conversation so, for probably two years because I've seen it in my profession. Yeah. He's seen it in the law. In law. Yeah. Actual practice law, yeah. And I'm in science and engineering, and yeah. I'm seeing it, and it's and it has just been a uh, just a degradation of the scientific method. They are still, they are still. Newtonian physics are not settled. Nothing is right. settled. They right. are. We are still in in serious scientific journals. They are still debating whether Newton had it all down. Yeah. And Einstein. Einstein. And that's Darwin. the beauty of it's science. All the same. But right. my God, you cannot dare discuss. you question it. Herr Dr. Fauci. Yeah. You know, you, you can <laughs> I mean you cannot in any way derogate or or challenge or or ask that he back up anything he says because what some daffy lady on the view has made it culturally <clears throat> impossible, okay, politically to question the, you know, the darling, Dr. Fauci. It, it's so... And, and so we, instead of electing a governor or electing a president to, to uh, make policy, we've, we've offshored it to some bureaucrat, gets paid $400,000 a year. Yeah, and, and it's, it's almost like you're better off as a non-scientist to evaluate what these scientists are saying. I mean, if, I, I would much rather have a critical thinker uh, somebody who's willing to question everything, somebody right. who is not afraid to challenge conclusions, right. go in and read a scientific journal and start asking questions. Well, and, then, and a real scientist, like our man over here, right, is not afraid of being challenged. Sure. Or or being wrong or and be, having to readjust my hypothesis. Be, because you want to That's what learn. science is. That's what science is. Because we're trying to get to the truth. We're trying to get to the truth. But that is now verboten. And if you go back to Aristotle, right, the scientific method sort of goes back to Aristotle, they say, the idea is to create a system that it's, I, I, I sort of make it, I sort of uh, analogize it to like the airplane checklist. You know, everybody knows that you got to pull the landing gear up or everybody knows you got to turn the engine on. Everybody knows you got to turn the lights on. Everybody knows you got to turn all the systems on. Yeah. But they still follow the checklist yeah. because they don't want to make it subjective in any way, shape, or form. It has to be objectively tested. Dude, I have a checklist for my race car. So I have a pickup crew. These are not people that do this professionally. You know, I got a horse training lady. I got a guy who's an aircraft mechanic. I got a guy who's a a union uh, plumber. I got a guy who runs uh, an IT company. 
And on a weekend, they'll come together for Team Blitz, go up to mid-Ohio or go to Road Atlanta or go to Sebring, Florida, and they'll crew for me, okay? And we've got a list, just like what you're talking about. And it's not, it's not a list, you know, it's not to put anybody down. <laughs> it's so sad that we have to even explain that now. I mean, it's, un, it's unbelievable. That, how is that even, like, yeah, like but, racist or anything to have a list? Go to Valvoline. Exactly. By I, the way, I have a diverse racing team. Yeah. So I, I mentioned I have, I have a, I have a, I have a lady. Okay, I, no, I have you. I, no, no, I'm talking you about the crew. No, no, you, no, you don't have a lady on your team. How could you? She's ex NASCAR, and and, mm-hmm. I, and you know, and and we have people of different races and. Uh, None of that matters, and it they know matter. it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And they know that you know I don't have any pride in any of these uncontrollable aspects of 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 who I am, and and I don't respect anybody because of their gender or their race. That's ridiculous. That's like respecting a Hereford cow, you know, because it's a Hereford. Yeah, I mean that's ridiculous. I mean, it just, oh, it, it didn't decide to be a Hereford cow. It just came out one. And this is why. <laughs> so, like, so, like, how can you be proud of being white? How can you be proud of being black? It's absurd. On it's its absurd well, the on way you its go, face. You, yeah, be more proud of your accomplishments. Exactly. This is what I am. This is who That's I am. That's what Martin this Luther is what King I have done. was talking about. Yes. Content of character. Yes. Yes. Content of character. In, what the in, hell in have pride, you done? And pride isn't even the right word. It, it's more that you are, you're comfortable with what you've done and you can stand by it. And right. if you want to judge me by anything, here's my product. Right. And it's not because right. I squirted out of the, some uh, some races uh, vagina, right? It's, exactly. it's like it's it has it's nothing ridiculous. to do with that, right? It's it's absurd right. and it's offensive. And we don't even know what we don't even know what people's races are. And I'm comfortable with that. And as America keeps progressing, as we blend different skin colors together, we're all going to end up tan. Mm-hmm. All of you. It's 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 just we're a melange. Uh, we'll all which is be, really cool. Which so, is really cool. And right. then, you know, at what point do we just make the call that we're not going to identify each other by racial stock? Because right. as That's people re- are making money on it, Norm. Because people are making yeah. money on and it. What hey, I, if I could just real quick, two things. Yes, sir. Uh, You're just what, supposed to check facts back there. You don't what, check. Well, <laughs> well, well <laughs> I'm checking on this. When's the last time? Daffy has ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> and and I have a nice little historical uh, timeline of women's suffrage that I actually relates to all this if you guys want to see it or get on, or talk about it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's take a look. All right. right. So, so just real quick. You're only about 20 minutes behind. Me. Well, dude, we, well, that, that was a, uh, that was, man, that was an unbelievable uh, whatever. All right, let's so, take it. 1776, New Jersey gives the vote to women owning more than $250. Later, the state rescinded it. Kentucky gave some provisional women's suffrage in school elections. uh, And first voting was granted to propertied widows with school-aged children. And then that got, uh, and then that, then in 1830, all propertied widows and unmarried women got the right to vote. I think that's just in school elections. So it's like it's a fits and a start. So it gets down to 1869 where Wyoming did give the full money of of women right to vote and hold public office. And and I don't know this to be positive, but my recollection is 
is that it wasn't necessarily as if women really wanted to vote uh, across the board. And I'm not saying so, they shouldn't be allowed so, to vote. So please, everybody's got to right, right. so, But listen to this but, in, in the in the caveat to the Wyoming thing. This is re- very interesting. Um, some supporters argued on the basis of equal rights. Others argued that women should not be denied a right given to African American men. Others thought it would bring more women to Wyoming. <laughs> sure. So it and it wasn't. So is it, it's a business decision. <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily that all women just wanted to vote. I, it was it was just sort of what it was. And and you know we can look at these things and say, well, this is grossly unequal, and this was a horrible constitutional policy. And you know what? We just fixed it. Yeah. We just said, oh all right, God. let's amend the Constitution and be done with this problem once and for all. Yeah. And we were, and we are. Yeah. And that's the beauty of that document. Is so that you want to be proud of something? Be proud of that. I'm proud of that. Be proud of that. I, I am. I read the Constitution, and it, it gives me chills almost every time because if you really can just feel the thought, the philosophy, the history, the consideration that went into creating that document, like considering what happened at the time. You had all these states independent of each other who are now going to form a more perfect union. Right. Um, because the one they tried before under the Articles of, Confederacy, Articles of Confederacy didn't work. So we're going to do it more perfectly this way. And then you created a balance of powers that didn't give any one part of that whole any more power than the other. And it and it worked. It's, well, it's, it, oh, my God. And it's it's so it's just really in, amazing. Just in my lifetime, okay, which is just you know I'm still I still think of myself as a punk kid, but I'm not. But just in my lifetime, I get to shake hands with Jesse Owens, okay. I get to shake hands with guys that played in the Negro leagues in, in baseball. Baseball, yeah, okay. You know, guys that played before Jackie Robinson broke broke through, and and there was I think one other player before him. But there were, you know, the, the first, the first black guys that got to play in the in the majors. Okay, man, think of what those guys went through. Think oh. of what those guys Woo. went through. So there's two ways to feel about that. Okay, I can feel bad about my country that all of those fantastic black baseball players that could only play in the Negro leagues down south, and I met some of them. I met some, I met some of their daughters. I met some of their sons. And wonderful conversations, really. And this is at the Civil Rights Museum down in Birmingham. So I, I went there, met those guys, um, met their families. It, it was a, a wonderful experience. Now, I can feel bad about that, okay? And I can feel depressed about that we ever had that. Or I can take the Jackie Robinson story and stories, you know, like that, of overcoming and changing America sure. and feel good about that. So which way are we going to feel in this country? Are we going to focus on on where we were? Are we going to focus on what we did to make it better and where we're going? That's right. where I want to be. And that's where I want to be. I, I don't want to be in a perpetual hate of my country. And I could I could very easily do that because par- probably I'm somewhat African American. I, I don't know. I've never had one of the one of those goofy tests that they do, you know, you send well, they the may sample. become a sponsor and then we'll start advocating yeah. for but, it. So. And frankly, I don't give a rat's ass what, what my ethnic heritage is. I, it, yeah. do, it doesn't matter to me. I am an American. Yes, that that's, is. That's you and Teddy Roosevelt, you, baby. You brought it up before when you were like Irish. This, And I remember going to school and kids at young age would ask you, well, what are you? You know, what are you? Yes, you know, well, we're, we're Irish. We're Italian. What? 
And I remember I asked my, because I didn't know. I remember I asked my mom and dad. I said, but what are we? My dad said, you're American. Bingo. And I was like, well, but where are we from? He says, your birth certificate says made in the USA. (laughs) He was like, that's what you are. This is unique to the world, really. It is. We don't. We're an experiment. We don't. Like other parts of the world, if you say, like if you live in, uh, say, Germany, but you're you're from uh, Ireland or Turkey Turkey or whatever. Yeah. Well, you're Turkish and you're, uh, you know, even if you were, you know, that's that's what you're. You're an Auslander. You can only live there and do this and you can't move up any higher. We have a system where you can be from almost anywhere. Uh, and become yeah. a United States citizen. Absolutely. And uh, actually anywhere and become Absolutely. a United States citizen and become an American. And, you know, they called this the melting pot. And it used to be that people would come over and the goal was to become Americans. And now the, here's where I disagree. I don't even know if we're disagreeing, but here's where I think it makes our country so special is that we do have a diverse origin of background where the Irish culture sort of continued to some extent and the Italian culture continued to some extent. Sure. And the... Uh, wherever else you would have come from to become American, the German culture, the Jewish culture, right. the whatever, yeah. uh, it, it continued and it becomes part of being an American. Absolutely. And that's what makes our country diverse, not individually that we all have a different skin color or right. we all have this, we all have that, we're all represented differently. Right. It, you bring with you your culture, bring with you your heritage Absolutely. and become an American with Absolutely. it. But then and you meld awesome. that with the American culture. And it becomes something new and better and different. Yeah, right? so we, the, we're not disagreeing. So, so yeah. I yeah. used to be a member of the ancient order of Hibernians. Okay? I don't even but know what a Hibernian right. is. But right. so, so that didn't mean I marched around saying, you know, I'm Irish, I'm better than you. Right. Yeah. I mean, no. That means on St. Patty's Day... We go march down the street, you know, you know, and, and it's we, cool. Oh, we should have had you here for St. Patrick's Day. It was a hoot. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm probably the only Irish, Lebanese, whatever else American in this city. But the point is, <laughs> you know, the point. Well, maybe Bobby Rahal too. I don't know. But the point, the point, the point is that that you you know, sure, you celebrate the cultures that we all come from. I'm not saying get rid of the Italian festival or the Greek festival or any. Oh no, bring or, it on! Or, or the or the Near East side, uh, you know, the the, the African American events. Those are all wonderful. They're all part of the tapestry of America. And and but the point is, it's a tapestry. It's all sewn together. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. it's all one quilt. Right. Okay. And we and we're you you can have different patches, but it's the same quilt. And. Uh, the- when you see these wow. people that gets that get sworn in as new American citizens, and you see the tears in their eyes, those yeah. are the ones that we want here. Yep, those are the okay. ones we should listen to. Those are the ones we should listen to. You know, the guys that fought with our guys in Afghanistan, that the the the, the, the Mexican uh, guys that 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 went through the loops and the hoops to join the U.S. Marine Corps, yep. and they fought as non-citizens for this country. And that's what got them their citizenship. Right. Hoorah, man. Those are badass dudes. Those are the Mexican, uh, 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 now Mexican-Americans that, that, if you will, that Trump or or me or you, those are the kinds of people we want in this country. So hold on. Let me ask you then. I want your opinion on this. It has nothing to do with what country they came from. We have a scenario or situation right now where uh, take critical race theory or take whatever politic you want to call it. It is an effort, I believe, to divide us up and categorize us based on our ethnic origin, our race. Right. 
And the, what you just said, what we're talking about here would be severely chastised by a good number of folks right now oh, as sure. being horrible, xenophobic, uh, racist, oh, awful, oh, terrible yeah. people. Right. Why do you think that is? What is, I mean, like, what is it now that makes it so if you believe that I want to treat you equally, even though I shouldn't because you got Lebanese blood in you or whatever, right. whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, what? if I, I didn't, I didn't look at anybody right. that came into this room today or anybody that's ever come into this room and said, oh, that person must be from so-and-so. Right. I better, I better treat him better or treat him. I treat everybody the same. The same. Until you that do was, something that would that would warrant otherwise. But, well, that was one of Trump's big sins, right? So he treated Hillary Clinton in the debates like you would have treated a dude. Yeah. Right. He he was rude, direct, crass, made up nicknames. He 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 slapped her around like he would have slapped around um, a guy. But I don't think he would have done that unless attacked first and you know there is a there is a little bit of well, people uh, don't really want equality is yeah. my point mm-hmm. Steve yeah. that, that's really what people want is privilege what people want are advantages okay and that's a natural human greedy thing mm-hmm. we all would like to just go to the mailbox and open up an envelope and there's a hundred thousand dollars okay we, we we all want more stuff we all want we all want comfort. We want security. We want all that. And so, you know, it's all the Gordon Gecko thing. Greed sure. is good and all that. That is what drives capitalism. That is what makes you work your ass off as a lawyer is you're putting in the hours, okay, to earn more money for yourself to make your situation better, to help your children, to help you, whatever, to, to donate to charities, whatever, the, the, the whole orbit around Steve Palmer you're working your ass off to make it better. And that's what I'm doing. That's what Jared's doing. That's what everybody in this room ought to be doing. Okay. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. But but what people want really is not equality. They don't want to be treated the same in terms of their opportunities. If they can get an advantage, you know, whether it's their gender, their skin color, I don't care, white, black, whatever, you know. People are happy to take those advantages, and we get back to the justice is blind thing. Okay, sure. that's where we need to be. We need to be when when a human being interacts with me, I do not see their color. Okay, I took African American studies in college. I was the only white guy in the class. I was going to okay? say, man, that was like I was yeah. Before this this the, was in the, the big war, right? The, the, <laughs> you're a geologist. This is back in the Pleistocene. Yeah, man. Epoch, okay. Well, so you so, and I are cut from the. We look about the same. So, so I, we're the last of the cavemen. I was it, and I was told by the professor, and she wasn't talking to me, except that I was the only white guy in there, um, at, at, at least uh, you know perception-wise. There could have been other white folks in there. Uh, maybe Obama was there. Um, cause he's, he's just as much white as he is black. Right. So anyway, she said all white people. Okay. All white people are racist. And she, she said that to the class and, and that was the foundational beginning point of that class. I raised my hand and I said, that's not true. I can only speak for myself. I'm not a racist. Okay. I, I don't perceive anybody in here as any better or any worse than me. Okay. I, I took this class to learn about, you know, 
Patrice Lumumba and, and, and about Nelson Mandela. Well, the culture, right? Or whatever. No, yeah. I, I, I come here to take a survey in African-American history, learn about Frederick Douglass, learn about, you know, uh, you know, just everything uh, about about the history. And uh, and you lead off with that I'm a racist because of, you know, well, how do you know? How do you know what my parents taught me? How do it's you know so what's in, in my heart? It is so offensive. It's it's completely offensive. And, and um, you know, what has come out of that experience, and, I, and, it, and it's handicapped my sons, it's handicapped me professionally, it's handicapped all of you guys, whether you know it or not, is the, the using bias, okay? And, and some of the greatest thinkers, you know, Thomas Sowell, um, Clarence Thomas, uh, uh, Candace Owens, you mentioned her. Um, some of the greatest African-American thinkers today um, are offended by the idea <clears throat> at this point that you fight discrimination with discrimination. Yeah. Okay, so I just had a son get into medical school. Okay, his grades and his his achievements outside of um, uh, the classroom, as well as in the classroom, would have gotten him into medical school a year earlier. Okay, he was being told just straight out by admissions officers he was the wrong gender and he's the wrong color. Okay. And that prevented, at least for a year, America from getting another doctor. Yeah. Now, how many times has that happened with firemen, with cops, with lawyers, with scientists, with every other you mean, profession? You mean progressivism is actually regressivism? We are doing things, whether it's Title IX with girls or whatever it is. And the tranny thing is a, is a beautiful way to expose that. We're... We all have individual talents. Women are better at some things than men. Lots of things. Like okay. Childbirth, for Let's instance. Let's go with it. Well, well, well with, with a lot of things. Actually, yeah. Steve, Steve Horn, who was uh, the, the guy who ran True Sports, Bobby Rahal's racing team, said his best mechanics were the lady mechanics. It's interesting. You know why? They would follow your little airplane checklist. That's right. To, to the, the letter. T. Their, to egos, the T. their yep. egos didn't get in the way. Well, no, no, dude. It, it was more scientific than that. So when there was a torque spec for a wheel nut and it said 120 pounds feet, okay, they got out the torque wrench, calibrated it. Made sure it's correct. And went click and stopped turning at 120 yep. pounds feet. The dudes, uh, you know what? Yeah, more like doesn't uh, feel right. Let, let, <laughs> it needs to be tighter. Let me just give it Isn't a art to yeah. it. Right. Let me guilty. just give it a little. I don't need a map. Guilty. Yeah. I don't okay. need guilty. a map. I can get yeah. there. Right? So hey, so so listen. I don't have that superiority gene in me at all. Women can do whatever, but don't tell me, okay? Don't tell me that a hundred and ten pound man or woman can do can can hump up uh, you know forty flights with an oxygen bottle on her back and a fire hose and bust through the office wall and rescue my ass. Okay. That's bullshit. Okay. There are some people, there are physical aspects to some jobs that most, sure. most women, maybe all women, NFL frontline. I don't know that there's a woman that's ever been born that could do that job. Yeah. Okay. Now, should she be allowed to go out and try? Hell yes. 
okay? Same with flying a fighter jet or whatever the hell they want to do, okay? I'm all in favor of that. But don't tell me that we're exactly the same. No, it's nonsense. We're not. It's nonsense. And that's what the whole tranny thing, you know, like the best female athlete in California. You redefine what female is, and then it all fits. The best female high school runner in California, I think they said, would finish 250th against the high school boys. Well, that's yeah. why the women are freaking out about That's why you have all these tranny bills in state legislatures. It is. Because a, finally, they're, we're, not, we're not the same. Right. Don't, don't, don't tell me that Gretchen can do everything, you know, that Billy can do. You're okay. talking science again, Norm. Yeah. Well, I asked you that Whoa. question. Like, why do you think that is? And, it, you know, it's get funny. Get real. There's Let's an, get real. There's an old quote. Like Marx said this, I think. I think it's Marx. He said, the capitalistic society contains the seeds of its own destruction. You know, Marx was wrong on almost everything. But maybe he's right about that in some way. Because what's happened is our capitalism, our freedom is based upon Locke, who says, all right, we're all flawed. We're all greedy. We're all these horrible people. And uh, we're all capable of just horrible things and we'll kill each other. We'll do all these things to each other in order to uh, just get an advantage. Therefore, uh, we've learned to work together and it works in harmony, right? It's awesome. Yeah. So it's like capitalism requires freedom. It's like it does. But the same freedom also gives a platform to this nonsense. And it, once you once that took hold, once the Marxists... Or, or once those who, who, for whatever reason, maybe they just don't understand it, maybe they hate it, maybe they had a bad experience, who knows, yeah. uh, decided that it was bad, our system has given them a platform to advocate for that. Right. And the problem is that they are not permitting the other side to advocate against it because the argument would go, yeah, scream Marxism, scream you know, uh, critical race theory all you want. Right. But let the other side scream against it and then let logic and, and reason prevail. The problem is the other side is not given the same platform to scream back right oh, now. Yeah, and right. it's shouted down not only right. by the private industry, but now by the government. And so yeah. it's like you've right. got the executive branch basically advocating one side of this over the other and then calling the other side racist right. if you don't agree. And it, it's like the, the freedom lets those who don't, uh, who don't agree with it take it over and then change it. Well, and then it's not freedom anymore. Well, uh, you might be. I think you probably are aware of the of the Supreme Court case uh, where the ACLU. Uh, you know, where is the ACLU these days, right? Oh, well, geez. so so exactly. So remember when the ACLU stood up for the right? Not they didn't stand up for the KKK or the skinheads or the Nazis. Sure, they stood up for the rights of those repulsive groups. You bet. Yeah. Okay, to march through the Jewish neighborhood of Skokie, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, and and the Supreme Court backed up, backed them up in being uh, allowed to exercise their First Amendment freedoms. Now, why would an organization predominantly made up of young Jewish lawyers <clears throat> represent the skinhead Nazi KKK right to march through Skokie? It is because of the antiseptic quality of free language, free speech, open debate that you, you just referenced, Steve. And that's the whole point. And, and, and so when Google and Facebook and Twitter squash the other side of, of these debates, they are, they are doing the work of the fascists. Yes. They are not allowing 
the the natural venting of of speech that may be repulsive to some groups, but it, it ought to be out there. Because the speech will go underground if it's not out. It, it will go underground will. where it, it flourishes. Will underground. Right. It flourishes that, underground. That's yeah. what Western Germany found out about the skinheads. So they yes. banned all the Nazi paraphernalia. You couldn't get a copy of Mein Kampf. It became attractive to a certain punk aspect of, of there's German a, there's young men. There's a rebellion men. to it that made it cool, right? Exactly. So Once they labeled albums that has language on it by go. Tipper, right. you wanted that album. Right. You know, you, I, what did they say in that album that, that it N- gets labeled? That NWA album. The case, oh, yeah. the case you're talking about, there was a guy who worked with a lawyer in town. He was an ACLU lawyer. His name was Benson Wallman. And Benson was, um, he was a quirky guy. He used to be the frugal gourmet, actually. Remember in the dispatch? Oh I think yeah, he was yeah. the guy who wrote yeah. that, that article. Cool. And Benson was uh, like really quirky, but likable, affable guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was a short little uh, Jewish guy. And the ACLU back in those days was badass. Phenomenal. They were phenomenal. I was working on a case with him. I was just out of law school, and I got appointed via some of my mentors to represent um, William Wickline. William Wickline and, uh, was accused of murder and was the first death penalty case after it was reinstated. He was, uh, he was convicted by a three-judge panel and sentenced to death. I was doing some habeas work on it, and Benson Wallman was also appointed on it. And I went to his office one day, and on the wall was a Supreme Court quill. You get a quill when you argue in front of the Supreme Court. Huh. Um, and uh, it, had the, uh, it had the opinion and the quill. It was all framed artwork where he had represented the KKK, hmm. the fascists. Right next to it was his framed poster from his trip to Auschwitz where he, um, you know, obviously his family and his heritage and everything else was there. And I can't remember who it was in his family that had been in one of his camps, but it was something like that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in, in a very pointed conversation, he just said, you know, I keep those both there. This one, to remind me of my heritage and how important that is that uh, we permit this one to have speech. You know, and it was like, yeah, it was power. It's giving me goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, he was. He just gave me goosebumps. That's incredible. That's awesome. It was, I mean, it was like, yeah, wow. And I learned that right. lesson early on. So he had, he had argued on behalf of the KKK. Right. On behalf the, of their the, rights. On behalf of their rights. Their rights. Not, have, not on behalf sure, of their, not their philosophy. Cause, not their cause. For God's sakes. And, and, and people cannot get that through their heads. Oh, we're trampling all over those memories. Yep. That's all they are now. And, and he knew it. He knew. Right. And the ACLU used to know this. That right. The only way to deal with that nonsense was to take it on, air it out, give it sunshine right. where it dies. Correct. And it does. It because does. it's absurd on its face. It's absurd on its face. And, you know, the, the First Amendment is not about protecting speech that we all agree about. It's the it's, it's, yeah. it's not about yeah. Disney movies, yeah. right? It's about the things that, that, we, that we would find contentious, the things yeah. that maybe even disgust us. It's about Larry Flint's dirty magazines. It's about all that stuff. It's about the things that, that, that we, need to, we need to have the seamy, gross side of speech in order to have the other 99% that really matters. Sure. And if you want to tamp something out, if you want to get rid of something, you beat it up. Right, you just take it on and beat it up. That's and, a scientific method. It's the scientific <laughs> method, and it it is it works. Yeah. So if you come in here spewing a bunch of nonsense about 
about how uh, racism is good and how the KKK and these white supremacists should be taking over the world. And it was our privilege to to have the world. It's like it's bullshit. Right. It's obvious bullshit. Right. And I'll let you come in here because I'll take that on all day. We long. will take your ass apart. Yes. All day that. long. All day long. It's easy to do. It's it's an it's a no brainer. It takes like 10 seconds. And this was my uh, there's a guy I'm not going to use his name. but There's a guy I knew in college. Jay knows him. And, and, and I, I used to call the rule by his name. This is the so and so rule. Right. <laughs> and it was because he was he was boisterous, blowhard, obnoxious, right. good, really, really sharp guy. Great arguer, but argue just for the sake of arguing. And I realized right. early on, I'm never going to win an argument with him. But what I am going to do is convince everybody, everybody else in the room that's listening that he's wrong. Right. And so but I'm not going to win in the sense that he's going to walk away saying, you got me on that. I'm going to change my viewpoint on everything. Right. But I could, it's called reductio ad absurdum. I could reduce his sure. argument to absurdity. Right. And then everybody walks away and is like, oh, that guy's just a blowhard. And it worked. And I, I, usually when I try to take him on face-to-face and convince him he's wrong, I realize there is no end to that. It's like using a joiner in woodworking the wrong way. It just keeps joining and joining and joining right, away. Right. And you get nowhere. <laughs> but if you if you uh, put well, the t- pressure on the right table, right. all of a sudden you can You may success. not convince him, but in the conversation around you. So when you're on Facebook and there is an obvious white racist, black racist, Latino racist, Polish racist, whatever kind of racist – and they go on and on about how their culture is responsible for all of the advances in human society. And so, therefore, you know, Egyptians or, or white Caucasians or, or Jews or Germans or whatever the little, you know, whatever their problem is. And they want to say that population is the ascendant. They're, they're the brainy people. They're the ones that are responsible for all the advances in society. Okay. It, when you blow them apart. And you just destroy that. And you, and you, well, well, have you ever heard of the library in Alexandria? Well, I think those people were brown. I don't think that they were, I don't think they were lily white Caucasians. Sure. They, they, you know, you know, and and neither you, was Jesus Christ. Exactly. Right? So you bring right. up, you know, you just start bringing up things, you know, the, the, the big huge kingdoms in South, South America, you know, the Inca, the Aztec, and, and the sophistication of their astronomy and, 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 you know, you, you just start showing examples of how there were these very complex cultures doing incredible science, incredible engineering, okay, way before whatever culture they say. You know, it, and so you blow that apart. Well, there are other ears listening. Yes. There are children listening. There are, there are other people that you can affect with that disinfectant free speech. And when you quash it and you force it underground, that's... And the two, the, like think just in our, not, not our times, but modern times, the, the two sides of the, the fascists and the communists, so Stalin and Hitler, they're the ones that would suppress that stuff. They, had, they did not want the alternative viewpoint to be exposed. In fact, they, they, they created enormous ruses just to avoid that. And they're both socialists, and Hitler and Stalin. They're both communist socialists. They're both Marx. They're both little kissing cousins of Marxism. Exactly but, right. But the it, big liberals. Hitler was a liberal. Yes. Just go. There's a guy named uh, well, uh, Genevieve Gentile, I think was his name, but or Giovanni Gentile was the sort of the fascist grandfather who was a Marxist. But anyway, if you go. Like, let's just say take the 33 Olympics, 1933 Olympics. So Hitler's got his uh, Aryans on the big stage. Enter Jesse Owens. Yeah. 
and blows them away, like blows them all away, right? right? This this black dude from a capitalist country comes right. in and blows them all away. Came from Michigan, came, went to Ohio State, deal and, with yeah, it. Baby. Yeah, baby. Deal with it, right. <laughs> and, you know, everybody likes that story. Everybody likes that story. It's an awesome story. Right. It's like he comes in, Hitler Even is the like German this. people, a lot of the German cheered. people cheered him. Right. They loved that story. Because he was an underdog, and he was impugned, and they cheated, and they lied. And he was still humble. Mm-hmm. Humble. Right. He went about his business. And schooled them. took them apart in the kind of way we're talking about. That's he just right. did it on the playing field. And, you know, the the power of that still lingers yet today. Yes, and uh, I, I suppose it's the same as saying, bring on the nonsense into our little round table, and I'll take it apart all day long. And if you take me apart, I'll learn from it. So fair enough. Right. And if anybody who advocates anything differently is just being a fascist and they're just being a communist, because I tell you what, who amongst us has all the right ideas that uh, – that never need be challenged. It's it's like it's the end of civilization as we know it. Yeah, and we did it in the dark ages, and it's about to happen again if we're not careful. Yeah, yeah. Again, regressivism. Yeah, yeah. Damn. I mean, it's... and you know, dark age is a good analogy, right? Because then all of a sudden you you had attacks coming from the the the, the crazy looking wild eyed Vikings coming in to to raid and kill and pillage everybody. So what was that? Fear. People had fear. And they had to go hide in their castles, and they had to go sh- shudder and, and run away. And then P- I think the government entities, the lords, would take advantage of that, and they would start to say, all right, well, you can come hide behind my walls. I'll protect you, right. but now you owe me. And now there's uh, now you have a contract of feudalism that you got to go through. It killed, it killed, it killed every— all the awesome stuff you talked about, the Greeks, the Romans, the Sumerians, like all of them. It, yeah. it killed that the, those I, those thoughts for how many hundred or thousand years almost probably right. until the Renaissance. But I don't know. That's my – I guess that's my – that's solving the problems of the world, man. We just did it right there. <laughs> Norm, you, you it. hit on something for me about uh, – man, you know about the observatory in Chichen Itza in yeah. Mexico. Yeah. I've been there twice. First time they didn't have it uncovered, and then on my second honeymoon – they had it uncovered, and my wife and I walked over there. Whoa. And uh, there it is right there. Hmm. I stopped in my tracks. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. These guys yeah. were looking at the sky yeah. and know more about astronomy than we'll ever know, almost. Yeah. Now And now our technology is such. I'm like, we still build astronomy. Astro- observatories like this that's not too mm-hmm. different looking than the one on uh state route 23 exactly. north of westerville yes yeah. i'm I telling mean, north you man. Of worthington uh, yeah. i'm telling you it's yeah. uh, delaware county that yeah. got me thinking that put me down a whole train of thought yeah it actually changed my life it yeah. changed it changed my scientific life it changed how i look at science it changed at, at what i've been taught in yeah. science yeah man there's a there's a lot of stuff that we have either forgotten or or neglected to teach ourselves. Well, I think the point is there's 100%. lots to learn from everybody, and you know you're gonna get you're gonna get you're gonna eliminate the dumb ideas, and you're gonna you're gonna advance the good ones only by challenging all of them. And until you, until we're willing to do that with with all this crap, then uh, we're gonna die, man. Well, I mean, it's like this this culture is going down if we let that continue. So if I'm not allowed to challenge critical race theory because I'm either shouted down publicly. And bullied away, or because worse, the jackboots come and say, "Sorry," right? Which is what you know. That's Stalin, right? And uh, where does it go? Like, well, we, how's we, that going to happen? We cannot have too much more of the oppression of people based on race. 
that so one of the things Biden had has done, I don't know all the details. I just know the headline. And, and you know, somebody smarter than me will figure this out. But uh, I had heard that based on race, that farm loans were were now being discussed, going to be forgiven by the uh, by the federal farm. Oh, that was in one of the uh, uh, stimulus already. Stimulus, yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's based on race. So, yeah. so if I mean through no action of his or her own, if you're a rich, wealthy black farmer, don't need the loan forgiven. You're going to have that loan forgiven at 120 percent is yep. the number I heard. Sure. Yes. So not only the original, okay, pro, you know, the original amount of the loan, but then a 20 percent bonus that you're going to earn on it. It's absurd. Just a gift based on your race. Now, what, what's going to happen? Oh. So, so I, my question, I always go back to Obama because it's a perfect thing. Obama could have solved a lot of things in our country, and when he was sworn in. I actually cried a little bit because I thought that we had crossed some kind of. Yeah, I didn't vote for him. Okay, no, I, I didn't even. I didn't even. Stage. Yeah, right. didn't, I didn't even trust him. Didn't like <clears throat> him. But I thought just for a glimmer there, my heart was saying, "Wow, a guy who's half black, half white. This guy could heal America. This guy could go a long way to to finally get momentum going at least put a, yeah. a wooden stake sure. through the heart of racism just quit talking about for it for one yeah and accept that we've crossed a bridge we've crossed a bridge mm-hmm. yeah. so i you know i i don't know like, why remember how it used to be when his we wife never would have elected a black president remember how that used to be like he could have said that now look where we are now let's move forward as americans nope right he hates america right well hey martin luther king um you know that dream you had I'm up here. Yeah. I'm hold. I'm holding hands. Yep. You know, look. Here's my vice president, white dude. Mm-hmm. Here, here I am, ostensibly a black dude. We're holding hands. Sure. We're, you know, we're at the helm. We did it. We did it. We did it. You know, amazing. Nope. He went the other way. Yeah, he went the other way. Cambridge police. Cambridge first, police. I mean, Ferguson, he just. He just. just, he just he, yeah. He just. He just went full Michelle. Yep. Just total, total nonsense. And. Well, hands up, don't shoot. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, my God, you know, these these fictions, you know, this 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 whole the George Zimmerman thing. Hands in you, this, this. Did you Ferguson see the CIA thing? video that came out that the, the, the lady who says I'm a cisgender millennial and then she goes on and describes herself as a woman of color. She's yeah. Latina. OK, she, so she's not black. So. Okay, so she gets to be a woman of color, but George Zimmerman, remember they described him as a white, a white uh, a Latino? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. You know, can, can the CIA please figure out are, are, are people, are people, are Spanish speaking Latino people, are they white or are they people of color? See, see and I don't care. I, I just think it's ridiculous. It matters to me only to the extent. It's an identifying thing. If you're solving a crime, you can describe how somebody looks. Right. That makes some sense. And right. it also matters to me if it becomes the reason for the crime. So before and, I went to law school, Steve, I was a journalism uh, student. So I have a degree in English and a degree in journalism. What we were taught back in the day, okay, if you reported a bank robbery story, okay, you didn't lead with race. So what's the Columbus Dispatch and all these other stations do? Lead with race. They lead yeah. with race. We were taught. Not only that, 
To the exclusion of everything else. To the exclusion. We were taught that the proper journalistic method was to report that there was a crime, show a picture. If they've got a picture of the perp and the police are looking for him, show a picture, okay? If the police put out a description, he's five foot ten. He's, uh, you know, he's uh, he speaks Polish. Uh, he's, you know, he's from this town or whatever. Go ahead and give all that information. But if the police didn't put out a description, like maybe they've already apprehended the rapist or whatever it is, you don't say black man rapist Correct. in the in the lead. But now you do. Now you do. Yep. What the hell is that all it's about? It's Jim Crow what? stuff in reverse. I mean, that's all this is. It's and unbelievable. It's like, it, it it doesn't solve anything. And I think at the end of the day, it amps up our it amps up our society. And it also becomes the boy, the proverbial boy who cried wolf, when there really is a racially motivated crime. Because if it, that's right. first of all, not everything is racially motivated. And I'm not even sure. In fact, I'm pretty sure there was zero evidence that the George Floyd. Uh, catastrophe, whether you believe he, it was it was uh, guilty of those crimes or not guilty of those crimes, I saw no evidence of any racism, period, end of story. There was no evidence presented in that courtroom. I don't think he was charged. Was, yeah, was Wasn't he charged? charged? Nothing. I don't think he was charged with a hate nothing, crime. Nothing at all. So now that becomes a racially motivated murder in the books. So the next time there is a racially motivated murder, right. it gets less attention or it gets sort of scoffed at by right. those who, who are backlashing against that. So right. the truth always works. Right. And falsehood and narrative that's false to meet uh, uh, whatever your ideology is, it doesn't work. And it almost always backfires to right. the opposite direction. You know, it's like— it, okay, it's, Can I ask you a question, Steve? Because, sure. again, this is just me. But, you know, like, if a guy's going to come to my house and assassinate me— Okay, and he just wants to kill me, you know, maybe because um, I don't know, you know, here you are, you're 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 a a gentrified little farm hobby guy. You know, I think I'm just going to pop you because I'm jealous of you. Or if he yells at me, hey, man, you you freaking, you know, Lebanese Irish cracker. I hate you because of your race. You know, I don't really give a crap, which I I mean, why? Why does why does so this whole hate crime thing? No, I, I, for for I, me, it's all bullshit. To me, it's to me, it's political. It, it's it's, it's, all it's political bullshit. nonsense. If you shoot anybody, it's kind of a hate crime. Duh. Right. And the problem with it is this: <laughs> is that you can't. Very few situations will you would you ever be able to prove that kind of animus on the part of somebody. And you know, a murder is a murder is a murder is a murder. It's right. never worse than another murder. You but know, the it's media like it's, is obsessed. As soon as they find out that a a. a, a a Japanese American was beat up on the subway by three black guys in San Francisco. Right there, there's like a little sure. Asian crime thing, mm-hmm. and you know, going on on the West Coast. And I'm not saying it's by black folks. It could be white folks. It could Anybody, be Latinas. Right. It, 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 Latinos. It could be whatever. It. I'm not. I'm not making a sweeping statement. But there is something about um, a, a Asian Americans getting attacked right now. There is a little thing sure. that's going on there. So every time that happens, the media's first impulse is, okay, is that a hate crime? Hey, I'm like, you know, if I'm the if I'm the Japanese market guy laying or or, or if I'm in Chinatown, I'm laying on my back and I'm bleeding because I've been stabbed five times. I don't really know if I give a shit what the motive was. Actually, and, I just want you to find the perp. And, and you're right. And, and take him to court and punish his ass. And here's what you said something that gave me some pause. 
And I'm not sure. And here, here, this makes my point. I don't know if there are more Asian crime victims now than there were a year ago. I don't know either. Because the fact is, it's being highlighted. We are only like the media is highlighting That's certain right. crimes exactly and right. to the exclusion of others. I agree. And this is the problem with doing this: is that it gives the perception that there's more Asian crime just because we are now covering Asian crime. Correct. And so as I sit here, I don't know that to be true. Right. I don't know it to be false. Right. I don't know. I don't well, believe it. Well, and they tie it to COVID. Yeah. Well, and okay. there, was some, there had to be a tipping point Yeah. of, so, of something. Right. Something triggered the more coverage of it. Right. Well, I think what triggered more Somebody, coverage is the politicians would say, quit blaming China for correct. coronavirus. Right. Right. Well, and, and also, wasn't, wasn't the one guy that did attack the, one, the older woman spewing out? Yeah, that stuff. Yeah. But how much of that happened before that we don't yeah. know about? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That, that's so our, that's what I'm know. saying. The tipping right. point. So of, to me, that that was, go, go, go ask all those people in the concentration camps in uh, Colorado. Sure. How how happy they were that FDR put them there. You bet. Right. right. Who right. was a Democrat liberal? <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah, the internment camps for the Japanese all over right. uh, California. So Gosh, how were about those that? were those anti-Asian crimes perpetrated right. by the Democratic Party? But the problem, literally just because of where you're from. The problem with the, with the hate crimes and the racially motivated crimes is that it, you're going to you, you're going to tend to want everything to fit into that new mold, right? And when it doesn't, it demeans the very crime you tried to create and prevent. And the other thing I would say, and I've said this a thousand times, look, you can you can make that a crime a hundred times over. Yeah, it doesn't mean people still won't do it. Man, how about and, China, huh? Yeah, are those guys geniuses or what? <sighs> so they they give us COVID. Okay. They tell us it didn't come from the city it came from. It came from like right, some mon- monkey brains or, or chicken bat. poop or, you know, f- bad fish some or something market, right. or bats or something. So it came from the Wuhan libra- laboratory is pretty much what they're, they're concluding now. And then they, um, they get rid of the president because the president, uh, to his discredit, shut down the economy when he shouldn't have over something that's not any worse than a really bad flu season, okay? Mm-hmm. So that that's on Trump. So he got but but he got triggered by Fauci. He, so he listened to all the wrong people and uh and shut down the economy and now they're dropping their space station rockets on us. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know. They're ingenious know. and 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 they're also loaning us all the money. Yeah, that we're handing out. It's to a people. hostile takeover, and all yeah. the product we needed to buy, all the PPP. I mean, all the all the the, the protection, the masks. But the money that's we're all paying coming. unemployed people that's a bonus over the money that they otherwise would be making is unbelievable, and it's all Chinese money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. It, they're, look, when they're you break geniuses. this down, when you break this down to its lowest common denominator, it yeah. it's almost hard to think right. about. And they're doing, and they're perpetrating a genocide right now against their own population people in their own country yep. they're they're uh they're spooling up their military they're they're, they're, they're sterilizing their women they're <laughs> it's, it's it's what they're doing is uh, is absolutely incredible and i mean they're taking over africa they're they're, they're just for our batteries for our electric cars yeah it's unreal just what they're, they're enslaving them. And they're, here's the, the problem: no, it's, it's, they it's don't what? play by the same rules, and yeah. yep, right. we're not willing to. Like people are not willing to let that fact 
out into public. Well, we just got rid of the one guy that was taken on China. Yeah. Because the two Bushes wouldn't. Nope. Uh, Well, they were complicit. Somebody said this. I heard this said. It's like, in our time, there was an authoritarian takeover of a free country, like within the last decade, in the last five years. I mean, Clinton sold them the Lincoln bedroom. And and this is, uh, and it's going to happen again in Taiwan. And it's- um, Oh, yeah. yeah, Wait till that happens. It's it's good. It's not even, it's just, it's on, it's happening. Yeah. Hong Kong's gone. Hong Hong Kong falls in modern times to a regime that is- as evil and authoritarian as any we have ever known in Absolutely. history. And nobody said a peep. Nope. Yeah. Let, Britain. It, let it happen. Britain. Well, I guess we had this deal. Britain. It's like, hold right. on a second. Last time we did that was in 1931, right? So Thatcher <laughs> defended the Falklands, okay? But the 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 rulers of the, the, the prime minister of Great Britain at the time when uh, Hong Kong fell, okay, did nothing. Okay? And they had the lease. They had... They had the they had the agreement with the mm-hmm. communist Chinese that, that that Hong Kong could hang on to its democratic principles and, and institutions for a few more years yet, mm-hmm. okay, before it got subsumed by the mainland. But do you think Big Joe's going to do anything about Taiwan? Not. Anything. Oh, not a thing. It'll be no. just like Actually, Jimmy, a silver platter. It'll be like Jimmy Carter did with uh, the invasion of Afghanistan. That's right. Yeah. We're not going to play in the Olympics. And we let Hong Kong go. And we let, it's just, these are all, you know what this is? This is appeasement. It doesn't work. And it's going to result in huge, it, either catastrophic consequences or another world conflict of epic proportions. Well, it, they're, it doing, they're doing dangerous flybys, our, our Navy ships. Yeah. Uh, we, they're in we, Canada. Our, na- our Navy is getting challenged in the Straits of Malacca. It, it, there's a lot of places in the, in the South China Sea, Indian Ocean, where our Navy is being challenged. Sure. And those and and America, just like our GPS system, our Navy is providing the the oceanic highways for commerce mm-hmm. for the rest of the world. It's like right. a gift from the United States, mm-hmm. okay, from from us, the taxpayers. Right. We're we're allowing, you know, Japanese, German, you know, we're all, allowing world commerce to world happen. commerce to happen. And yeah. China is, you know, can shut it down. Their Navy is now bigger than our Navy. Yep. And you know they got maneuvers in Canada. It's, this is this is a huge problem, and we're talking about uh, wokeness. Right. Yeah, right. You know, it's like this is. Well, we put a CIA supposedly a thirty-nine-year-old or whatever she said she is thirty-six-year-old CIA analyst. You know, the the government made a, a a a you know a public relations movie that came out a couple days ago, and. She, she 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 just spews out this laundry list of little box checking about who she is. Anxiety. I got anxiety uh, and I've got this and I've, I've got, got that. This. I, and, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Are you what good about, at the job? What about service to our country? Right. Are you good at the job? Doesn't, you know, th- when you join the military or the CIA or the FBI or the NSA, like your your duty to your country is above you. She her little except if you don't like the country they don't have that right her That's little the speech is all about her this is my next article that is uh, why you don't want your criminal defense attorney to be woke and it has to do with what you're talking about you don't want in our military that crap to take over it's like and you always had that thought it's like all right there's this stuff going on over here we understand what it is and right. you know it's got its little thing and that's fine but when you really come down to fight the big fight you only want the people who can fight the fight and win it. 
Right. And it doesn't matter if you're black, white, man, woman. It doesn't make any difference. Do right. the best job you can. Put the best people on the field to battle and go win it. Right. And then in criminal defense, it's going to be the same thing. So when does it stop? When am I not allowed to do certain things in a courtroom right. that I should do? Because I'm here to tell you, I have represented almost every race that exists in this city at time or two. And it never matters when they come into my conference room. It's war. And when we talk, it's about helping them. And it's about their individual problem and all the rest of the nonsense. And we right. might even joke a little bit about race sometimes, but right. all the rest of the nonsense goes out the window because we are here to do a job together right. and it matters. And it doesn't matter if I'm white and you're a woman and you're a man and I'm black. Well, it doesn't make any difference. Right. And it, I, I always thought that we were above it in my line of work. And now I think maybe not. Now I think if, and when's it going to come to be that I can't ask a witness who happens to be black or happens to be a woman, a certain question because it might be offensive. Right. And when does that objection get sustained? And as soon as that starts happening, it is done. It is the it is the end. It isn't is, that already happening? Oh, my God, in, that's in scary. Floyd Deer? I mean, isn't uh, that already happening? You Aren't there certain questions you can't ask a prospective not, juror? It start, this is Batson. I'm not allowed to uh, excuse jurors just based on race or gender. And, you know— it's it says that here's how here's how lawyers look at that. It's like, yeah, whatever. And you know, if if race matters in a case, don't tell me. I'm not thinking about it when I'm picking my jury. If race doesn't matter in a case, don't it, then I don't care. But if I can't do my job and advocate and force the prosecutor to prove their case and I am handcuffed by these artificial woke standards that are nothing short of absurd and ridiculous, then my client suffers and nobody seems to care that my client may be one of the people they're trying to protect. My client may not be one of the people they're trying to protect, but even if they aren't the person they're trying to protect, guess what? The rules are going to apply the next time, Yeah, and it's going to go against you. So, Is that part of what the Chauvin taste next round is, that the well, jurors were not? This is interesting. This is what's happening. There was a juror who's come out as an activist, so now there's yeah. pictures of this juror wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt who's, who, uh, who, activi- who is an activist against Chauvin. In, now, I don't know if any of this is true. Let's assume it is right. just for this discussion. There's going to be a challenge uh, of whether there was uh, jury misconduct, whether the guy lied in voir dire, and apparently he did. Um, there's a rule called the Aliunde rule. I think it's A-L-I-U-N-D-E or A-L-L-I-U-N-D-E, which talks about the sanctity of, of your jury and you're not allowed to go back and question jury verdicts. But there are circumstances and exceptions where you can. Now, if a jury overtly lies about something Lying, like this, yeah. then this could end up uh, not on appeal, but something else called post-conviction, where you've got to bring in evidence that's outside the record of the trial and uh, attack the conviction co- conviction from a collateral angle. So, so I have the definition of that if you want to hear it. Sure. Uh, you want to see it? Yeah, let's put it up there. Okay. Okay. Uh, Alunde's rule is a principle of evidence law which says that the verdict of a jury may not be impeached by the evidence of a member of the jury unless foundation for the introduction of such evidence is first laid by competent evidence alund, i.e. by evidence from some other source. Okay, can you yeah. tell us so what the hell that means? You can't just go in and say we want to question the sanctity of the jury's verdict because we think it was uh, based on race or based on something else. You have to have some other evidence of it. And the other evidence is usually, well, it's like what we're talking about. You've got, uh, if this guy's making statements and lied about it and you can prove it independent of him getting on the witness stand and admitting it, now you've got something. And you know, there's repercussions for that juror then too, correct? If he lied or not? Should I mean, there what, be? What or stops are you there? from lying? Uh, well, this is the problem with the abandonment of our 
obligations of virtue and morality okay. in our system. Okay. Because, look, does an oath to tell the truth really matter? Yeah, really. Does it, it really should. matter? It, right. it should. It but does to me. It, yeah, it yeah. should. It does to me. Right. But How many people go to jail for perjury? Very few. Yeah. Very yeah. few. Yeah. And it happens a lot. Yeah. Um, and you know this is the this is the problem. If you I, if we I abandon, didn't have, I didn't have sex with that woman. Right, not one time. Not one time did I have sex. Right. Not have sexual relations right. with that woman. Right, and you know it. The bar association in Arkansas threw his ass out though. And that would happen here too if I get caught. I can't even notarize a signature that you gave me. If you if I you want your car title notarized, you mm -hmm. come in. You've already signed it. I'm not going to notarize it, even if I've seen your signature a hundred times, because I'm not allowed to do it. Now, if I didn't care about that rule, I would just do it, mm. and it wouldn't ever get. It might never get caught, but I care about that rule, and yeah. I know what the consequences of that rule are, and I know I, there's some, there's implicit obligation, I think, to participate in our little experiment of government, and once we start abandoning that for any reason, it just goes to hell. It's a path mm, to hell, right, and right. if you're going to say, look, morality is fluid, we all have our own individual truth, and we don't have our our right. objective morality, Pass it's gone. It's Pass gone. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. Right. We get to all make up our own, you know, code. It's of my justice. truth. That's total bullshit. There is right. only truth. There is not your truth or right. my truth or Jerry. It is only true or it is false or you don't know yet. You need to explore it. Right. That's so it. that rule goes back to Lord Mansfield. You know, who the heck's that? Lord Mansfield? No, but it's probably some English common law scholar. Okay. Um, and then Ohio codified this in uh, August of 09. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple jury challenges. I've never successfully done it. Okay. I had a jury lie to me. In a, in but this is uh, Jones versus Bagley, 2009 U.S. District, uh, Lexus, blah, blah, blah. Yep. It says Ohio Rule of Evidence 606B codifies the Lundy Rule and states that the verdict of a jury may not be impeached by the evidence of a member of the jury unless foundation for the introduction of such evidence is first laid by competent evidence from some other source. Now, mm -hmm. of, of some interest, the high, in, in Ohio, the rules governing are the way we do things, like the rules of evidence, the rules of criminal procedure, they are constitutional in nature because of the modern court's amendment. So they, they're actually they are given some constitutional status. So if you have a conflict between, say, a statute and a rule, in Ohio the rules win. I don't know where that, why or how that trivia popped in my brain, but it did. Okay. Hmm. Um, all right, well, I think we've, chewed enough ground here today norm thanks for coming man sure. this was yeah i could talk right. to you for hours just, uh, i don't think anybody I, wants to I, listen i was gonna say we're, 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 on, we're on a long run of time here i, had, I, I had a few uh, things i wanted to throw in but they just opened up more cans of worms so we'll just have to bring right. them back we can do a part two well yeah. so there's yeah, the we, the hyphenated americanism uh by teddy roosevelt which uh norm alluded to i think people should look up and also who knew except for norm that the uh ancient order of hibernians is the uh has membership in all 50 states and is the largest Irish-American organization in the United States. There you go. Yeah, there you go. All right. There you go. Well, let's... Uh, <laughs> and, and we also... <laughs> I learned something new At one today. point, we got, we got to talk more about racing with Norm. That's part two. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that, that's a whole nother... Dude, that's I, I get want up. my own I, show. I man. know. We got to get you on there, the motorsports. You I know think, them all. I think, I think a podcast... I think a racing podcast could actually be a moneymaker. I really do. Look, I, think, I, I, I think love it. it. When, well, when you think of the kind of product that is being sold to racers and if we do a show or if I do a show and I hire you guys or we've worked out something where I can, you know, maybe launch a show and, and, you know, at some point pay you guys back or however it works, we can talk about all this. We got the plan, but we got, when you, th my tires, 
for my race car. My Hoosier tires, one tire, okay, over 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know how many races I get out of that tire? Two. Wow. The amount of money, the the gasoline at Mid-Ohio, the high-test gas, guys are spending 10, 12 bucks a gallon. Yep. Okay? <laughs> so so there are cubic dollars behind this entire industry. And they're, like I said, the, the two biggest retailers in the world of racing parts are here in Ohio. So you 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 t- well rock and roll I think man. People so are starving. how about we stick around for a few minutes and we'll we'll I'm hammer out your show. I like I, the I, idea. I think they're it, it's worth trying. I'm not even a race geek, and I can see that people have been starving for real racing for shit twenty five years. It's yeah. not covered. I mean, it's, over in Indiana, um, some of the stuff is covered. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of it is because it is a racing state. Right. But man, well, they, where the Indy 500 is. So yeah, that's why. And, and people are dying for real racing. So, what? So, here's the deal. So, like I told you, I was a journalism uh, degree guy. So, so, so I worked on the student paper. I was an editor there. Uh, I did the student magazine. I was an editor there. So, at any rate, the, the, the sports writers for the dispatcher, the guys on TV, the local, you know, whatever, they're all round ball guys. That, that, that you know, they're, they're all golf, football, basketball, baseball. That, that's their culture. Mm-hmm. So, so sure. you, you throw in every now and then, you know, racing because, like, a celebrity from Ohio might be involved. Yeah. Like net right now, Graham Rahal. Okay, who I don't even know if he lives in Central Ohio anymore. Probably does. Mm. Probably lives in California. I, I have no idea. But just as an example, that's the only like interest they have is like the personality tie-ins. Mm-hmm. To to them, it's like not even a real sport. They don't consider us athletes. They have no idea that over in Indiana, at 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 the university, there's a whole motorsports health degree. There, there are people who do nothing but train athletes in physical conditioning. I know that's hard to believe looking at me, but actually, <laughs> mm-hmm. but actually, bet, like right. where I started a few years ago to where I am now, orders of magnitude stronger, orders of magnitude better able to breathe, better reactions. And there's all kinds of drills, there's all kinds of things. I'm just saying it, it's an untapped thing. And as you say, it's not covered, and it's not covered for reasons of of cultural bias. It's just guys that are want to do sports in journalism. They want to do the sports that they like. Correct. Yeah. Sure. It's an, it's, a, it's Correct. an untapped market. They're know. not covering no. bowling. I love anything that burns <laughs> petrol. <laughs> like yeah. burn, that's right. So it's like motorsports, right? Stuff yeah. that burns right. gas. You know, right. it's, yeah. uh, it's fun. All right. Well, we'll stick we'll stick okay. around for a little bit. We'll talk about it. A couple yeah. things uh, happening here on May twenty one. Uh, we we have a big event coming. It's going to be at Studio thirty five up in the short north. Uh, we are bringing in uh, a football celebrity. We'll drop his name next time, but a football celebrity. So mark your calendars. Uh, there's going to be some general admission tickets, but you're going to get to meet. Uh, and see and experience some pretty cool stuff. Uh, we got the comedians on South High. Jason Banks taking off as usual. Check him out on TikTok at Jason Banks at TikTok, whatever dot whatever. Jason Banks comedy. Jason Banks comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, comedians on South High still rocking every Wednesday night. You're in tonight, right? We'll be back in tonight, and then we'll be going to open mic at the Red Rock Pub in uh, Black Lake, Ohio, right off Broad Street there, just outside of Reynoldsburg. We'll be there uh, <laughs> probably about 8.30. 
until we get on stage and off stage and in and out. Gotcha. Uh, and, you know, a few other things. Brett still is continuing to uh, a steady diet of businesses and individuals coming through uh, with their own podcast, just like we're talking about Norm with, to do his. I had uh, a prosecutor over at the courthouse. They're going to be starting a podcast here soon, I believe. Uh, now we have options to go live video. We have options to go live audio. We have abs- options just to record if that's what you want to do. Uh, and, you know, we have made all the mistakes before you so we can help avoid those when you start your own podcast. Uh, so, for instance, Norm, when you start your own, we'll give you all the tips and pointers you need. Why? I'll need them because I'm stupid. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I always I think say. you've proven otherwise here today. <laughs> no, 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 man. I sign all my emails to, uh, so like uh, Ford Motor Company or anybody that I'm trying to uh, impress, I, I always sign, I'm just a dumbass racer. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm just a dumbass racer. And that way I can ask any question, regardless of how stupid it is, you know, just preface it. Just, you know, take away the ego. I love it. The yep. limp leg approach. Just give me the old limp leg. <laughs> yeah. Hey, help me out. I'm just a dumb ass. And carry it across, the, across well, the line. One of the goals is to provide content anyway that people want to hear and right. want to listen to and will enjoy. And that right. doesn't come easy and it doesn't come cheap. And certainly it's not free. We we all spend our time. We spend our money. We built the studio. Yep. So if you really like what we're doing here, either the comedians, uh, lawyer talk, or anything else, go to channel511.com. That's channel511.com. You can see the Patreon link there. Just become a Patreon. Just a couple bucks a month. Keep us going. Uh, I'm not saying that we won't keep going without you. I'm not going to be uh, that disingenuous about it. But maybe one day that, that would happen if we just starved to death here in the bunker at 511. We'll tape it. Yeah, we'll go to syndication. You can right. listen to the old. And ones. there's nothing more that you like, by the way. And I could say this: I, I I know two of you real well here. These guys have no problem if you strenuously disagree and want to argue with them. Bring it. Oh yeah. So yeah. so if anything I have said. Okay, even though I don't run this joint, I have no ownership. <laughs> I got nothing to do with it. But if hey, anything, your shit's coming down on us. That's right. So if anything I have said, or or these guys have said it, that you guys out there listening disagree with, believe me, these are two open-minded guys. Call and, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, send in by whatever means you can to five one one your questions, your disagreements. Maybe they'll call you. Maybe they'll address your situation. But like these guys are very open-minded and, um, you know, just speaking for myself, I love all people. I don't hate anybody. Um, and God bless America. Yeah, no, that, that you couldn't have said it. I couldn't have said it any better and I probably would have said it worse. So, uh, yeah, questions, comments, thoughts, want to be a guest? You want to come check out the round table, do your time in the uh, meat grinder, so to speak, with a contrary <laughs> view. I love it. I love it. Bring it. I love it because I don't know everything. In fact, I hardly know anything. And all I know is I love to ask questions and challenge and and engage in discussion and debate. I think it's a blast. I've done it with all types, all genders, all races. Anybody who comes, I I love it. And like like you, Norm, we come at this with uh, love of everybody. It doesn't make any difference to us. We've had uh, political parties in here doing fundraisers that couldn't be more opposite to my ideological beliefs. We've had uh, podcasts come in here that couldn't be any more opposite to my ideal, ideological beliefs. And on usually that ends up even off the air with a long, lengthy discussion that makes us all go home thinking about what 
we had to say Absolutely. and what we think. Mm-hmm. And that, With a different and, point of view. Yeah. So what could God be better forbid. than that? God forbid. So you can just go to lawyertalkpodcast.com if you want to get a hold of us that way. So this has been Lawyer Talk off the record, on the air, live on the air, on YouTube Live with video, with audio, and you can catch it at your podcast convenience wherever you get your podcast. So check us out.